Welcome back to the Blue Line Millennial Podcast, everybody. Special episode for you guys today. Um, uh, got asked a couple weeks ago by Armando from Bottom Dwellers Dive Shack, which is a commercial diving podcast, um, if I would help him interview uh, a guy by the name of Jack Lewis, a.k.a. Ambrosia Terrebone, uh, about his, uh, his life and the work that he's done. Uh, Armando was like, look, he he's, was a commercial diver for years and years. I got that part of it, um, but he's... He's a cop and he's a sponsored shooter. And I don't know a whole lot about those things. Would you be willing to help out? And I said, of course I would, man. Absolutely. Uh, so that's what we got going in. We'll, we'll get right into it here. Um, uh, again, it was uh, it's a remote uh, recorded episode. Uh, Bottom Dwellers Dive Shack is based out of California. Uh, Jack, uh, a.k.a. Ambrosia Terrebonne, is out in uh, Louisiana. Um, but we had a hell of a good time, man. They they get into some some of the weeds with uh, commercial diving. Um, all I know is that those dudes are insane and don't get paid enough money to like weld oil rigs 300 feet down next to sea monsters. Um, and Jack is now a, a police officer uh, and a SWAT team member. So he and I spent some time talking about that and uh, talking about uh, his time as a, as a sponsored shooter. He's sponsored by Staccato. Uh, you can find him also on Instagram at Jack Blue Team, uh, Bottom Dwellers Dive Shack Instagram, uh, Bottom Dwellers DS, uh, and then Jack's uh, sort of pseudonym, his online persona, Ambrosia underscore Terrabone. Uh, so I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Let me know if you want to see more of this kind of stuff. Again, it's my first time doing something like this. I thought it was a, a pretty damn good idea. Uh, and we had a good time for two hours talking. Probably could have talked a lot more. Uh, Jack has, uh, has convinced Armando and I that... Uh, uh, we're going to SHOT Show in 2023, so um, we said that uh, we're not going to say that, oh, yeah, we should do that. We're going to we're gonna make it a we will do that. Um, so if you're going to be at SHOT Show 2023, I hope to see you there. I have wanted to go for uh, probably 10 years now uh, and have just not made it up to Vegas. You know, one thing or another happens. So uh, with that, I'm not going to take up any more of your time. Let's jump into this episode with Ambrosia Terrebone and Bottom Dwellers Dive Shack. All right. Hey, guys, this is LB Diver with the Bottom Dwellers Dive Shack. And I'm Kevin with the Blue Line Millennial Podcast. Nice. Welcome, everybody, to this uh, special edition, this cross pod, divers and cops. Is it okay to call you guys cops or do you prefer uh, law enforcement officers? No, you could just call me a cop. It's honestly way better than the usual thing that I get called anyways. So So we have a a special guest. We've got Jack Lewis. how you doing, Jack? Sorry, I'm doing. When I talk I'm to police well. officers, I get flustered. Get flustered no, all the time. Don't worry about it, man. So it's a, I guess, a safe space that they keep looking for. So we're gonna be okay. You know, divers. I mean, like I said, we we have we have a lot of run-ins with police officers a lot of times. Usually, uh, usually after your first or second DUI, you know. <laughs> yeah, I think I think probably a lot of those uh, statute limitations is up on a lot of stuff. So don't worry about it. We're gonna be yeah. okay. They do have a warrant in Texas, but uh, that's neither here nor there. So, handle your business. <laughs> That's what yeah. we're gonna well, it's it. I I don't think it's gone to warrant yet, but they still send me letters. It's an unpaid speeding ticket from uh, seventeen years ago or something like that. Oh, they get it's big like, mad. Texas is going to get big weird. mad. They're going to get their money. So careful, Clay County, man. Texas, if you're listening, never coming back. I'm not going through your county. So Jack, um, you've got an alter ego, right? What what do people yes, know I you do. as? Is a uh, on, on Instagram Most, and uh, in the tube. 
most people know me from Instagram and on YouTube as uh, your boy Ambrosia Terrible, aka AT. And uh, right. he sounds a little different. Sometimes he looks a little bit different, but he's uh, probably he's uh, my imaginary friend that's been allowing me access to a few other things. So it's, it's been a good time. That's so cool, dude. Yeah, it's great to have you on, man. Your boy, right? How do you say your it again? Boy. Your yeah. boy. A-T. Ambrosia Terrible. Nice. I like it. So, wanted to talk to you because you're a diver, or, you know, once a diver, always a diver. And uh, you spent a lot of time uh, diving in your early days before you became a law enforcement officer. So, you know, it's uh, I, I, I just love that you were able to do it and then get into something else afterwards. You know, we're going to talk about that transition later on, but I wanted to talk about your diving career first. Like, um, how did it all start? Like what, like when did you get in and, uh, and just give us kind of a rundown, you know, where you're from and all that good stuff. Okay. Well, I'm originally from a small town in Western Pennsylvania by the name of Pittsburgh. Uh, we have a football team, you know, uh, you guys might've heard of it. So the circus wasn't in town. So I did the adult form of running away, and I joined the Navy. Uh, and in the Navy, I ended up being in the submarine service. And submarines need divers, but you're you're going to be scuba. So it's like you you get like a DV designation, but you're not like a real Navy diver. And real Navy divers will let you know that at every opportunity. Um, and there's actually uh, a couple of sub divers that have another podcast called Diver Tough. And when we say diver tough, as far as that community, it's uh, not good. Like diver tough is 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 a pejorative. So it's 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 where it's like shit talking. Like oh, diver tough. Okay. okay. And uh, and then and then obviously like you know there's a, a tremendous amount of maintenance and ship repair that's required on a submarine. There's just a, a a massive amount of maintenance, either wet or dry. And you're you're constantly having whatever repair activity divers on board working, you know, in your ballast tanks, whatever. Uh, because even when you're next to the pier, like 80% of the boat is still underwater. I mean, that's just how a submarine is designed. So you start seeing hard hat guys. You start seeing surface supply guys, be it in their Mark 20. Uh, a lot of other people will know Mark 20 is an auger mask. And that's how, like, most of my career, I just kind of knew it as an auger mask. If anybody else is, wants to know what that is. Uh, and then there's the Superlight 17. They call it a Mark 21. It's got some extra stuff. And then when they went when they went to 37s, the Superlight 37, uh, they got super uh, creative on that. Just called it a Mark 37. So when you, you know, when I'm like, well, I think those guys are having more fun than I am, and I would like to do that. And the Navy was like, no, man, uh, we spent a lot of money uh, training you how to be what you're doing on a submarine. And you're lucky you kind of got to go to a scuba school, like calm, calm down, bro. Like if you want to get out and come back in and try and do that, but we're not letting you do that to go right now. Uh, so I joined around 2000. I got out in 2005. I had to extend for a deployment. Um, you know, so I got some deployments in, went to Japan, Guam, bunch of spots. Yeah, I had a good time with it, but I mean, it, it wasn't the thing that I ultimately wanted to do because 
you really don't know all the stuff that there is to do. And then you join the Navy and you see all this other cool stuff. And then they say, well, you can't go do it. You know, we, we need you to do what you need to do. Uh, so right around the time I got out, right before I got out, uh, the College of Oceaneering, and, and I served most of, almost all my time out in Hawaii. I, I, I missed that point because uh, that's going to lead up into this. So the College of Oceaneering uh, or College of Overspending or Overpayment, you know, uh, as we all know it, uh, they had started up a dive school out on Hawaii. So um, out there on Sand Island, and it was the, they went at the same facility that the Honolulu Community College Maritime Educational Center. Say that th- three times fast. But uh, so they, so there's a bunch of guys like doing like boat repair and then us at this dive school. And um, they only had the NDT specialty at the time. And I ended up being the first class out there uh, to go through. And I, was it the... It wasn't open for very long, I don't think. Uh, we, we briefly talked about it in one of our episodes. Yeah. We had a former instructor from the College of Oceaneering, uh, Sean Williams, our, our dive medic on our current Port of Long Beach yeah. team. He was talking about it. They were trying to like send, you know, or, and and, uh, and Jeff Powers as well. He runs the Chino State Prison. He's also an instructor at College of Oceaneering. Jeff was the man. He, he was yeah. my instructor. Oh, he nice. was my instructor. Jeff was the man. And uh, he was... Uh, he was cool. I, and I can't remember. Sean was cool. Uh, we had a big dude, uh, Griffin Eckert, like an abnormally tall guy, Griffin Eckert. And then uh, we had, man, I can't remember the guy, Ed, Ed that taught us NDT. And that was, and I was, that was just the only specialty they had at the time. I, you know, I probably later on would have preferred welding or medic or not a specialty at all. And right. just gotten, I mean, knowing what you know now. Yeah, because knowing what you know now, I mean, it's just, just get directly into, if whatever they can do to get you directly into the game at the shortest amount of period. And because all those, like NDT, you know, I ended up, uh, I get out. So I, before I graduate, I end up working for, I tried to hire on for Oceaneering because Oceaneering had an office out there. And, that was out of their Chesapeake office. They were not related to the Morgan City office. And all they did was work, uh, and they were affiliated with another branch of uh, Oceaneering called CLT, uh, Consolidated Launcher Technology. So it's, again, it's submarines. There's a bunch of weird shit that we have that I'm not going to get into, but heavily maintenance-intensive and uh, a lot of stuff in the torpedo room. So basically... A submarine with big giant holes in it that go right into the people tank. You want to keep water out. So those guys did a lot of that work. And so what was cool, what would have been cool about that gig is uh, when you weren't diving, you could also do the outside mechanic side of the house. And you're still making that Davis-Bacon rate. Davis-Bacon, if people aren't familiar with that, is basically what they got together and they've kind of figured out maybe what the union rates are everywhere. So when you're working for the government, you're still making that prevailing wage where you're at. Yeah, it's a government prevailing rate, yeah. Right. And um, so, like, you kind of would have had, like, uh, parallel breakouts, if that makes sense. Like, you would have broke out as a diver here, and then you would have broke out as an outside mechanic here. Um, And then, in their ultimate wisdom, uh, Oceaneering decided that they didn't want to be involved in any inland diving at all. Uh, I think that was right around the time, 2005, 2006, that they had some shenanigans with their Galveston office. 
and guys were kind of overbilling some hours. So they decided to just throw the entire baby out with the bathwater. And we all transitioned to Phoenix International. Um, some, of, some, some folks have heard of Phoenix, some folks have not. Uh, but Phoenix had been around, had been around since like 95, 97. And they were mainly known, uh, they got the government contract in the Navy to do underwater burning and welding. And then they did, uh, you know, ship repair. So there's NAVSE, Naval Sea Systems Command. They're the guys that are in charge of maintenance of all the ships. And then, um, so Phoenix got that contract. And then begrudgingly along the way, they ended up doing more inland work, you know, because they were just, I mean, they were basically based out of Morgan City as well. Uh, more so Bayou Vista. And um, then, you know, Katrina and everybody was working offshore. So yeah. they, they, they kind of like kicking and screaming into making money despite themselves offshore <laughs> on jobs. Uh, so there was a bunch of guys. I was never uh, a full-time Navy welder on that contract because there's a lot of testing. There's a tremendous amount of testing involved. And those guys, have, and that's a... a and those guys are pretty hot shit, I'm going to tell you right now. And, um, but like regular topside stuff, you know, is more than enough to handle up. Uh, and then also you have your NDT background because uh, one of those things, like just because you're not a welder, they still need to have all that stuff NDT. And yeah. if you don't need to NDT anything, guess what, bro? You're an underwater fitter. You still need to set all the stages. You still need to set all the coffer dams. You still need to set all the rigging. You know, so you're still getting in really solid working dives, be it at 30 feet or 100 feet, you know, whatever it is that you need to do. Um, Phoenix that's also had cool, that. though, dude. You just couldn't yeah. get away from the Navy stuff, you know. I, I, no. I mean, that's 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 pretty awesome. And, this, and I'm pretty sure your name comes up, you know, because of your background and everything when the, those jobs did come up, too. So that, yeah, because that's definitely pretty neat. There's uh, I was a named player on several versions of that contract. Like there was actually the, uh, submarine rescue. And, uh, like I was a, uh, I was a listed as a official salvor oh, for the United States Navy. So they were able contract. to, so they use your resume to get some of these contracts. Yeah. They use your yeah. resume, but then when you, once you get that contract, when I mean name player, like it's your name on the contract. Oh, wow. And your qualifications. Cool. and all, Yeah. So, yeah. It's very cool, and you know you get a lot of hotel diving out of it. And mm -hmm. but then you also, because we were kind of this weird hybrid company, like we, we never had sat, but we had hard suits. I never got into hard suits because the outside of the hard suit is very big, uh, the inside is very small. Like if you like, I've got some pictures on my Facebook and stuff that I post all the time. Like you'll see me kind of being the surface diver or a tender on a hard suit job, and you'll see the hard suit pilot come out and he's like this big. And they're not very big guys because there's not a lot of room in there. There are some big guys that do it, um, but you, you can only actually be so big because then there's also a buoyancy issue with those things. About 220 is about as big as you can be inside that thing. Uh, oh, man, that I wouldn't like fit. I, I missed yeah. it by like 15 pounds. Yeah. yeah Damn it's, it. It's, it's, a, it's a weird, dude. It's, and, and like closing it up and trying to like get your, contort yourself in your shoulder to get your arm in there to the, to the arm pods to get to the manipulators you know I, I definitely that is a very hard and tedious gig being a pilot of one of those yeah. things so I, I never shit talk those guys so kevin these are like little robots that, that the divers get Robics. into and they like yeah fly them fly them around you know it sounds they got yeah, lasers fine. and stuff on them got like gatling uh, guns i don't know if anybody ever Just read kidding, they don't have lasers yeah 
I don't know if any, if anybody ever read Starship Troopers instead of just watch the movie. But if you read the book, there's a way that he describes the suits that they're in when they're in the mobile infantry. And it's actually kind of close to how these uh, ADS art suits are. And it's, it's basically like, uh, it's basically a submarine that you wear like a pair of pants. It's, it's, it's a, it's a, the technology's cool. It's kind of old now, but the technology is very cool. I, I'm picturing, cool looking. I'm picturing there was a James Bond movie. One of the, uh, one of the ones from like the, I don't know, the sixties or the seventies maybe. And, uh, they go down on this shipwreck and this hard suit guy comes walking through the shipwreck and is like tearing this ship apart. Yeah. Yeah. He had a gym suit on. That was like the OG. Okay. That was like level one. <laughs> that was the gym suit. And, um, then there was the newt suit. Uh, Oceaneering had a walk, which had no legs. He just kind of got into it as a tube and you flew around kind of like this. Um, and then there was little arms still too on the train. Yeah. Yeah, It had these like tubes and like a big giant dome. Um, and they actually had like a knockoff version of it in oceans of fire, which is like the greatest documentary of all time. I want to remake that movie. (laughs) We we've got to get some money and remake that damn movie. Bro, we, we would kill it. Bro. bro, My boy sent me uh, a VHS tape, like new in plastic of oceans of fire. No way. And I was like, dude, like I gotta go get like one of those old, like crappy, like uh, yeah, please, uh, please dive shack setup so I can watch it. <laughs> like, yeah, dude, dude, best hard to find. ever. Yeah, yeah. So I, that's I, like required viewing. So there's certain required viewings for divers. Um, I'm pretty sure police officers also have required viewing as well. Yeah, but our required viewing, I mean, definitely, you know, like abyss, oceans of fire. What's some other ones, Jack? Oh man, uh, there's there's a I'm couple talking of movies now. So everybody <laughs> wants to talk about uh, Men of Man Honor, of Honor, honestly, yeah. and there's also like the Navy component about that. But, like you don't get like that whole like commercial side of it. Um, man, John Wayne had two uh, movies where he's a commercial diver and he's like running around in like heavy really? gear. He dies in both of them. Oh, <laughs> he dies on bottom in both of them. One I of them was like the wreck of the of the Red Witch. And it's like guys are up up topside, like on this like on this Yankee Clipper, and they're like pumping the they're pumping the uh, <laughs> com, you know, the compressor, sending air down to them. And then I think the second one, it's the same rig, but he's just like you know they got a compressor at that point. Uh, but now I you got me on comms, Pilgrim. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what about what about Circle right. Damn, John Wayne, the man. What, what about cop movies? What's the required uh, cop movies? Well, uh, Super Troopers, obviously. Super Troopers. When I was on FTO uh, field training, uh, I was required. Uh, it was like homework, basically, to watch Colors. And it took me four years to complete my homework. Oh, yeah. So Colors is definitely up there. Um, what else is uh, is some good stuff out there? It, a lot of people give a lot of crap to the movie SWAT. You know, we, we watch it now, 20 years later, and we're like, oh, my God, like all the cheesy lines. Um, but it does give, I mean, I, I think that there's there's something to be said for the movies that inspire like 11 and 12-year-olds to, uh, to aim towards a career. And for me, it was SWAT. I was watching that, and I'm like, hell, yeah. 
I'm going to join LAPD SWAT, go into Metro Division. I'm going to do all this cool shit. I'm going to go jump out of helicopters and stop bank robberies. I do none of those things. And I live in Arizona. So <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, uh, you watch the cool movies and, uh, and, and it inspires you to go into a certain direction. But inevitably, once you get to, to be the person in the cool movie, you realize that the movie's not actually as cool as you think it is. I will say that uh, End of Watch with, uh, with Jake Gyllenhaal and Michael Pena portrays very accurately um, sort of what it's like to ride with a partner day in and day out. That's not something I don't, when I was on patrol, getting to ride with another officer was sort of a treat because we ride single man units um, in order to increase our presence on the road and decrease our response times. Uh, but when you can ride two man, you're constantly, you know, jaw jacking back and forth with one another. Uh, and inevitably the person that you're riding with is somebody that you're super close to. I've got my work wife, uh, shout out to Brent, uh, for, for putting up with me, uh, multiple times that we rode together. Um, and you are, you're, you're talking shit to each other. You're telling each other your deepest, darkest secrets. Um, and you're, you're kind of going toe to toe and, and putting everything on the line with these, uh, you know, with this other one person. So end of watch does a really good job of portraying that. That was kind of a dark movie from what I remember. You know, it got yeah, pretty, it takes a turn, man. It takes a turn at the end. I was watching it with my wife. That was a terrible mistake on my part because I, <laughs> I think I'd only just become a cop or I wasn't, I was like going to the Academy or something, but yeah, it's one of those movies that if you're a cop or a, uh, you know, you're, you're trying to become a cop, don't watch that with your spouse. That's um, right. Like that's <laughs> the other thing. There's there's certain movies that you do not watch with your with your significant other. You know, um, same thing for divers. It's like we we don't want to watch. You know, like the uh, like Chris Lemons is one of our co-hosts, and it's like to make your wife watch that documentary. It kind of chills them a little bit. You know, right? I think uh, I think our co-host Johnny was uh, saying that he showed his uh showed his wife that movie she started crying it was like why did you show me that yeah. <laughs> or like deep water horizon where the rig blows up oh yeah know? yeah because like, it's a true story you know? like, like yeah you don't show your wife that and movie. now i'm gonna go work on the oil rig see you later yeah. like <laughs> <laughs> see you later, but, i mean you look at at, at a movie as comically <laughs> stupid as super troopers but we you get to a point especially when, when, I mean, 2020, the world was shut down. Like you could park your patrol car in the middle of the busiest intersection in your city and not see a car for, you know, an hour. Um, and so you're, you're doing stupid stuff to keep yourself entertained. And, and we got to the point where we'd like reach over. We've got these, uh, um, you know, our, our push to talk, uh, you know, radio mics and you'd reach over and key up your buddy's mic and go meow and, and then just walk away from, and then dispatch is sitting there like uh last unit <laughs> so <laughs> going on over there terry man i had a <laughs> so i went to go adjust that something fell, or what? yeah it fell, no, it fell down something fell over and it put me in safe driving mode and i'm not <laughs> driving and i don't know how to so obviously uh monkey's fucking a football over here uh <laughs> But yeah, no, I completely, I believe like End of Watch was the shit. Uh, Colors is a hardcore ass movie. Um, that that is some old OG Metro type shit. Actually, one of my boys just actually retired from LAPD SWAT. He put in almost thirty years with LAPD with like Metro everything, and and we were talking about that movie. Uh, that like, and if if nobody knows that one, that's like Sean Penn and Robert Duvall. And Sean, Sean Penn was young. 
He was in his out 20s. Of his, out of his mind in that movie. And uh, so it, it was kind of like the end of Watch and the uh, Street Kings before any of that stuff came out. Uh, and uh, Ice-T, a.k.a. Tracy Morrow, before he was a TV cop on uh, Law & Order, he did the soundtrack for that movie. And that shit hits hard. If you if you want to work out or get kind of amped up a little bit before you go do something, listen to Ice T's colors. That shit hits hard, dude. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, like, that's I definitely crazy, those are top picks, dude. Top picks. As, as as far as like career lengths, you know, being a commercial diver, it's not. It's a young man's game, you know. I thought the same thing for cops. It's like, how does a uh, when did you get out of commercial diving? Do you, do you have any other funny stories you might want to tell us before you tell tell about your uh, triumphant exit? Uh, man, I is it triumphant or were you forced out? It was a hard choice. I'll say that it was a hard choice. I had no idea how to get that stupid hand raised thing off. Now at this it's point. all right. I love it. Uh, <laughs> we can leave it there. Um, well, I uh, basically around 2015, almost 2016. Uh, I had, you know, start, so I was about overall diving, you know, either in the Navy or professionally. So I call it like uh, semi-pro and pro. Um, I was just getting to a point where it's just kind of like, was going to Africa a lot more uh, for work just because there was no work because after the Deepwater Horizon, it just kind of kicked, kicked us all in the gut. I mean, I remember we had like almost all our contracts for that year were going to be in Mississippi Canyon. And then all that stuff just eh, turned off. Yeah. And, uh, the, the money faucet just turned off and the amount of things that they were willing to spend money for turned off. And like, you know, where stuff like, like where, and even stuff where they were willing to keep you out for weather for a few days. Nope. They bring you back. I mean, it, they would bring you back in for two days and demob you just to get you off that workers comp because the workers comp alone was a bunch of money. So they would bring you back demob you and you'd be back in 24 hours and, and come back, not a full demob, but they would get the crew off and you weren't operational and they were doing whatever they could to save money. Um, so that started happening. And then, you know, everybody always says like, man, you divers, man, I heard you make a lot of money. And it's like, when I'm doing it, baby. But when <laughs> right. I ain't doing it, I ain't making shit. And, uh, and, it's, it's, and everything's always behind. So, like, if I haven't really been on a project for two months and I'm sitting at the house and I'm going into the shop, if you have that ability to even go in the shop, it's not like your shop rate is anywhere near your operational rate. McDonald's Right. And it's like, you could just go to McDonald's. Like, you could just constantly just go to McDonald's and quit and make more money. Yeah, you definitely and, make more. Like, no jokes. And, uh, and we were saying that 10 years ago and then, uh, look at what they're paying folks at McDonald's now because they're trying to get people <laughs> yeah. to come work. And so you have a, or like Home Depot, man. And, and it, it and, uh, so that started happening a lot more. Africa started to have happen a lot more and like nothing against Africa, but like East Africa kind of sucks. Um, and then we guys used to get the, the overseas rate. We used to get an overseas rate to go overseas. Uh, especially to go to Africa. Um, and then we would, and then we started doing a string of jobs where they were just like, well, there's no work right now. Nobody's working. So you're going over to Africa with your commercial rate. So I was like, okay. 
And so that kind of happened a lot more. And I just remember being on a job. We were out at, uh, uh, we were out on an ENI TLP. So I can't remember what ENI stands for, but they're an oil and gas provider. TLP, tension leg platform. For anybody who doesn't know what that is, uh, it's basically, uh, well, I don't know. I'm not going to go too deep into it. Divers know what a TLP is. Uh, on the cop side of the house, a TLP is basically, it's an oil platform. So a rig does the drilling, a, pl- a platform does the, the suction part of it. You know, once it's drilled, they put a rig, be it like an erector set all the way down to the bottom, or a tension lake platform is basically, it's built like a ship. And they usually have pontoons and this whole apparatus underneath the water, and it's held to the bottom by anchors and cables and a bunch of other stuff. Because they're not going to build an entire structure when it's like 14,000 feet of water. Uh, I know uh, it's probably, I just bored the shit out of every diver, but since there's going to be cops listening, I just kind of want to No, no, them. please, please. Yeah. Yeah. Please, please explain. And, I, le- I learned uh, something. And then you guys can use, yeah. And then you guys can use the Google machine. It's called TLP, Tango Lima Papa, Tension Leg Platform. And there's uh, many different varieties. Uh, so, uh, like we mentioned, the Deepwater Horizon, Deepwater Horizon was a drill rig. That was not a platform. So, dumb. And um, so it, I'm out on the E&I Allegheny. We find, you know, we're doing a, uh, doing like the 15-year DNV uh, or was it, it was DNV or was uh, whatever the U.S. version of it is, you know, like when you're doing that, because uh, they can't go to dry dock because they're a TLP. So you're doing that 15-year uh, deal on there. And, uh, so found some cracks, you know, ended up having to take, basically it was like one of my last jobs and to deal with the seas out there and eventually do this weld repair, do finish the inspection and do this weld repair. We were on a ship. Uh, I mean, we weren't on a, a boat anymore. Like it was damn near a ship and, um, like it had an elevator in it. It had an elevator in it, and it had, like, a foreign crew, so we're almost eating, like, gourmet food every day. Uh, the night shift got, like, they put us in two-man staterooms, even the tenders, and I'm sitting there with, like, this other diver, and it's, like, the night shift guys and the day shift guys, they put a night shift guy and a day shift guy in a room together, so you just get, like, a room with your own shower. Are you kidding me? And we're out there for like a month, like hanging and banging, trying to get this shit done, uh, doing all sorts of really cool stuff, uh, especially to D1, because it's right where the tendon porch was, there was a crack. And so we needed to get in there. We needed to seal off where the tendon was going up. And then so we could dewater it and then perform this weld repair. Um, so that was really cool. And then like the very next job was like a string of inspections. And we were like on a vessel of opportunity, eating shitty food. Everybody's, on, you know, everybody, you're already behind because of the bidding. All the equipment is given away for free and we're all pieces of shit again. And we're all slow and lazy. Yeah. We're not, you know, we're not fast enough. And I just said, you know, I'm over it. I'm over it. I said, if you got somewhere you really, really need me, call me, but I'm over it. Uh, I ended up transitioning. There's a guy named James Pirtle with a company called Centerlift. He's a former diver. He was at BSO for a while. And I don't know if you guys have ever seen the roller bags. You ever seen roller bags? Yeah. 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 So it's like, basically it's, it's, and for the folks who haven't seen it, it's a big inflatable log. 
of various lengths and diameters. And we're doing it just like the Egyptians did. And so like when you're rolling the big rock and you're trying to like push it forward. And then when the one log comes out the back, they bring it to the front and roll it forward. It's the same, it's the same principle. Um, so, and you could do like a lot of stuff with it. I mean, it wasn't just moving stuff in and out of the water. I mean, we did a lot of boat launches with it. That was kind of the bread and butter. Uh, but he, you know, he was an ex diver and all the guys that he tended to hire were ex divers. So we all like new hoses. We all knew connections. Uh, nobody would get like in their feelings really like we all kind of knew how to talk to each other. You know, if somebody handed you a wrench, you knew to use it as a hammer, you know, stuff like that. And, uh, and I, and I, I did that for a while, but then it was like kind of, you know, there was just a point where it's like, you're starting to get older. You're starting to look at 40 and, uh, you're looking at, you know, what is there a retirement to this? Like it's, it's, it's his company, but like, am I, there a 401k here is is it and so it's kind of like the the opportunity came up like uh i just was at a shooting class i ran into a guy that was active law enforcement somewhere and he, he had nice equipment he had a nice unmarked car and i jokingly said to him uh hey are you guys hiring and he turned around and like dead ass it was like we're aggressively hiring <laughs> i went okay <laughs> please don't kill me <laughs> and i went i went uh i went okay and um, and I've I never thought heard about that we're aggressively hiring. He was like, "We're aggressively hiring." And uh, for this, you son of a bitch, or else, right? And I was like, "Okay." And and I had uh, and I, at the time, I just I, I don't know. I had thought about it previously, and I just kind of almost felt that like maybe that window of my life was closed off. But they said it, you know, I thought, of, you know, being a diver, I got a Mustang. Uh, being, a guy, being a diver, I thought like 35, 36, you were just a fucking crustacean, right? And, Man, that's uh, getting that. The whole joke in the diving business, Kevin, is that, uh, you know, hey, I'm going to go get a real job or, or, or so-and-so left to go get a real job. Like, you know, we don't really consider our jobs as divers to be like a right. real job because again, it doesn't have retirement a lot of times, you know, and, and benefits are, are, are far and few between, you know, it's just that big payday that you're hoping these 20 something year olds will bang right. away and save, which nobody ever does. No, I mean, I was, you know, strip clubs, trucks, you know, that's your first big payday. You know, I was going to go to right. something stupid. See, you know, and, and then and you I, try to be good and then everyone else around you try to keep up for some weird reason. And I and I sit and here uh, being like uh like man, you commercial divers with your five thousand square foot houses and your nine cars <laughs> you've got a boat, yeah. you've got all this so, stuff. But I mean it's every, everybody it's truly an it, bro. bro, it's all you can have everybody it. dude, I'm telling you, if you ever sit there and go to a diver party and I, my ex brother in law, I told him because we were talking about stuff and I said, You you go to one of those parties at a diver's house. We're all sitting around the fire at the end of the night. I said, everybody's, they're, they're going to show you all the stuff they have. And then eventually everybody's going to sit around and go like, man, I got to pay this off. I got to pay that off. I still got the, like this TV still on credit. This, I still got payments on this truck. I don't know. I put rims and a lift on it. Holy shit. You know, you get around to that at the party too. So there's a lot of people kind of fake. I wouldn't say they're faking the funk, but they're, they're definitely, uh, they're definitely up to their ass and at, through credit, you know? Yeah, and 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 uh, and that's the thing. Like I said, you, you know, 
you you eventually have to work year round, you know. So yeah. you're not, you know, if you're it, it. Now, Jack, when you were going through, it was kind of a tough time. Um, I was working through the Great Recession, barely made it, you know, out right. the other end. After Katrina was also tough too, because then the work just dried up. So you had a ton of right, you know, like, divers out of work and hats out of market and stuff. And dude, that, after know. Katrina, like right after during, right after Katrina, man, you buy anything you want to put a day off. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And then it just went done. Yeah, like done. Uh, like the the rates went up for the first time in like fifteen years, and then I don't think those rates have gone back up since Katrina, which is like 17 years ago now. So, you know, yeah, I feel you. So I was definitely, definitely excited that uh, you were able to transition to something when times got tough and something that you love, right? Yeah. Yeah. Ended up, I I ended up, I feel very suited to it. Yeah. So, and, and again, it's a similar, you know, team atmosphere. I, I, I imagine, you know, we're all rough and tough people that have no filters and stuff. And, and Kevin, I'm sure you can talk a little bit more about about this too. Yeah, I mean, I think it lends itself that you've, Jack, you've almost proven yourself. I mean, when I imagine when when your FTOs or when your when your team found out, like, oh damn, this dude. First of all, he worked on a submarine, which uh, you never catch me on a submarine. That that's not going to happen. Um, that <laughs> terrifies the shit out of me. Um, but you were in the military. That that already is helpful when you go into a paramilitary organization such as a law enforcement uh, agency um but here you are you've done all this like uh like what i would say like all this high speed stuff and and you've been in a very dangerous environment like I, you almost sit there and go as a cop you're like i mean i could get into a gunfight or a pursuit or i could get into a knockdown drag out fight but at least i can still breathe like whereas oh i'm just going to casually descend to 100 feet uh, underneath the water and uh, weld on this oil rig with with all this with all this metal around and and you know all this, this extremely hazardous environment do you find though that there are some you know some parallels like if you if you kind of search you know between law enforcement and this yeah. co- commercial diving yeah, I'll say, okay, so the submarine community, I'll start off with that. It was the first specialized community that I got into. Super weird dudes. We're weird dudes. And and we'll tell you that. Um, divers, super weird dudes. We're weird dudes. I mean, not in a bad way. You know, this isn't a bad way, but you're just, you're just kind of atypical. Um, cops, bro, we're weird dudes, man. I mean, it's, it's, it's not bad. I'm not saying it in a bad way. It's just how many people still, like you say, like, man, you never catch me on a submarine. Well, how many times it, you'll be out and somebody will go, I don't know how you guys do your job. Yeah, fair point. Fair point. So we're kind of weird dudes. I mean, and it, it's just, uh, it's a weird job, but it's still, it's still better than like a traditional job. You know, I always make the joke. I said, my teacher always said no. But he paid me to stare out a window all day. But look at me now. Yeah, here I am. You know, as I'm in my unit, like you know, uh, with that calculator but, in my pocket, I was never going to have either. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so they're going like, oh, well, it's like what's what's that court date going to be? Okay, hold on, curious or two. But um, so I, I would say, but it's also they're, they're extreme pursuits. They're extreme pursuits. Your extreme jobs. Be, you know, being a cop is an extreme job. Being a diver, 
is an extreme job. And those attract extreme personalities that maybe might not be suited to other pursuits, if that makes sense. So there's a lot of commonality there. Yeah, and and you've got that, uh, and, I, and I don't know how your agency's situated uh, out where you are, but while you may be on a team of divers, you are still very much, at least to a point, you are alone. Like you have to rely on your own wit, uh, your own capabilities. You can't let yourself, you know, become this lackadaisical and lazy individual because if that happens, you're going to not only potentially hurt or kill yourself, but you're going to possibly hurt or kill a teammate. And and I, I guess that is exactly. another parallel that I draw between those yeah. two, you know, between those two jobs. There's a lot of, there's a, yeah, there's a lot of stuff. You know, we say in diving, you're only as good as your last dive. And then you're only as good as your last job. You know, each dive, while you're on a job, on a project, when we say job, we mean like a project that we're on, right? And so it's kind of like, so there's a job number. It's like an item number or a file number. You know, it's everything that you're doing under that item number. So it's like while you're on the dive, you know, that particular project, each dive that you do is a job interview for the next job, you know, the next dive that you may particularly potentially get in rotation on that project, especially when that project is coming to an end and there's still some bottom work to do, you know, or who are we going to throw in here, you know? Um, and then when you get done with that job, you're going to be judged by that job, not the job that you were super awesome, not the project that you kicked the shit out of over here. You're going to be judged on this project. And it's, it's a lot of parallels. In the, memory, in, yeah. There's a lot of par- parallels in the cop world because like you said, because, you know, one of the things in diving that used to really piss me off about these is like I said, that project that I was telling you about, these guys have a crack on their on their on their tendon porch which is a pretty serious deal right and i think by the end of that project it was a million dollars a day and we were one at a time at the water i think uh bottom was 140 top of the porch was one as it was maybe 80 90 and then so we had to go down and get up underneath do all this stuff right so it's me down there for whatever my bottom time was that's a great damn job and I got about a million dollars strapped to the other end of my ass. You get what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. I am only like the, the, my whole purpose, the whole reason I'm here is at this moment for this bottom time right now to handle up. And if you don't get in touch with your star number one player and you don't respect that and you don't respect everybody else and you don't respect your client and you don't respect your company, that you need to be a goddamn hammer. And, and do what it is that you need to do. Because then, you know, when you're on mixed gas too, you know, like my last guys in Africa, 270 feet was bottom. And we had to buy our gas and stuff over there. So on average, a bottom pop in gas was costing four to $7,000 a dive in gas. And also there's the supply chain of you're in Africa. So where are you going to get more gas? So when you got to have a guy blowing a dive, one, you look shitty, and then it also reflects poorly on everyone else. And it's, so it's like, yes, you have this team, this support, but it just comes down to it. You're the man in the arena down there by yourself, and it's up to you to move the job forward. And being a cop like that is, is the same because, you know, uh, my agency and many of the agencies around here are the same. Uh, we run single man. So, again, you're down there by yourself. Yeah, you have a support crew. You have your comms. You have stuff that you can do. Uh, but you know, you're out there 
you're out there by yourself. And they don't see you as an individual. You have your uniform on, and that uniform reflects your agency, reflects your community, reflects your state, reflects your entire profession. So there's certain mindsets there. And then again, it's like, you know, you know, you got to maintain your own hat. You got to maintain your gear. You know, you got to know how to maintain compressors. You got to know how to maintain vocals. You got to know how to maintain uh, your own hat. Top stuff. You got to know how to maintain your gun. You got to know how to maintain your car a little bit. You got to you got to know how to run your equipment to make it happen. To simply put, you know, because all of those uh, are batteries in your flashlight. <laughs> yeah. You know how many guys work on night shift and don't have a, a light on their gun or don't have a fully charged battery uh, in their light? It's, it's bad shit crazy. And, and that same shit would happen to me. Uh, you know, you'd be out on a job. I remember this guy, I'm not going to say his name. Uh, but, you know, his his regulator was jacked up on his 27 and his neck dam was, was messed up. So he goes in. We have a few days to go in. And he doesn't spend any money to fix his regulator or his neck dam. But he spends like $300 on a vape kit. Everybody knows those guys. Right? They don't last very long. And I'm just sitting there looking at them like, what are you, what are you doing? And then they want to borrow your shit. Right. So you're not borrowing my shit. You know, we're not doing that. No. Yeah. So, there, so there's a tender over here been kicking his ass. There's a, there's a tender over here been kicking ass. And he's got his own hat and a bitch works. How about we give him these guys? How about we do that? You know? And then, you know, but yeah, I mean, it's, there's still, I mean, with diving and with the cop stuff, a lot of that stuff is, you still have to, you have to, when you look at it as life support equipment, you have to look at it the same way. Your radio, your gun, your light, all that stuff, uh, that's life support equipment. You, you really, you have to look at it that way. You have to give it that respect. You have to be that serious about it. You know? And there are also two jobs where there's, there's not a whole lot of wiggle room for mistakes, you know, um, one little mistake and you could end up dead in both jobs. You know, yeah. have you had any close calls in uh, diving or policing? Yeah. You know, I've been, uh, or both, uh, both. I think I've had, you know, when I look at it on a spectrum, like I've gone hypothermia, I've had hypothermia on dive jobs. You know, I was like on bottom on gas. I ran out of uh, hot water and I, I went hypothermic. Like by the time I really, by the time I really noticed what was going on, it was getting to be too late, you know. And I just kind of made it back to the bell. But I mean, I just had uncontrollable shake. I mean, it was, it was bad. Um, I've Are also the hell too. No, actually, the hypothermia. It, 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 knock on wood, knock on wood. Um, but you know, I was sucking O2 as soon as I could, okay. and I was trying to warm up as soon as I could. I mean, oh, perfect. I, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not one of those guys. Like, if I could have gone my entire career and not been bent, I would have. I was never one of those guys. I, I did get bent. I took a hit in my shoulder once. I took a hit in an elbow. Um, but I had a buddy of mine uh, was asymptomatic. He went to go make some more money at another place, and uh, they thought that he was at one level because that's where everybody was at. And then they shot his pneumo and they found out that he was much deeper. And then he comes up and over, goes out of the chamber, doesn't do his chamber watch after the chamber, goes to, just goes in and lays down, and he wakes up and he couldn't feel his leg. He's just he gets he tries to get up to take a piss and he's already pissed all over himself. 
and he couldn't feel his legs. And the amount of O2 that I think they spent on him to where he doesn't need a cane now. But he didn't know there was a, uh, anything wrong with him. But, you know, I, like I, I didn't get blown up, but like I, was, I took a pretty bad pop burning one time. Um, we, had a, we, had, we had a vent hole drilled. I'm not, I'm not going to get into all the stuff, uh, but uh, when you're burning underwater using an exothermic rod, more typically you're using a brand name of rod by the name of Broco. And if you're not using a Broco rod, you're definitely using their burning torch. And it uses electricity and oxygen, and it's got an exothermic rod in it that I think is mainly made up of magnesium. And when you're burning, there is a byproduct gas of that. And I can't remember. I'm being a bad diver right now. I can't remember the byproduct off the top of my head. But that will, yeah, the hydrogen, it builds up. It builds up. So what we'll do is we'll take a drill underwater, and we will drill a vent hole in one or several places so that doesn't build up because you can – build up the hydrogen and then spark it off again and blow yourself up where I was at. We had done all of that. We had, uh, we had, uh, you know, uh, we used to say this at the time diving, there's an inherent amount of risk, but we're experts at managing risk. So we had tried to manage as much of the risk as we possibly could. We had done our drill. We had drilled our vent holes. We were going, uh, just unbeknownst to me where I was particularly burning. There was mud. And the mud built a pocket, and um, shit happens. And I and I and I took a I took a pretty serious pop. I couldn't feel my arm, uh, my uh, light, and uh, my light and my camera uh, got blown off my head. Train's gonna go by. Uh, so, but but I got back. But I managed it. I had, I had to hold my shit. I had to keep my shit in one side, and and I had to not freak out. I had to go, okay, I'm breathing. Yeah, you're I'm not breathing. unconscious. I still have comms. You know, you know, and you're looking at the top side point of view, you know, my my light and camera are like flipping around back here. So all that you see is off. like all this shit. And yeah, yeah, like did his hat pop off? Is it but we still got comms. And I don't my this my left arm is not working at the moment and I can't give I can't my light and uh camera are off this way, so I can't give you the okay. I can't give you the hand signals or, you know, up, easy. I can't give that to you. So I'm talking, you know, and it's like, I can't freak out right now. I'm like, hey, I'm hurt, but I'm okay. I can't use my arm right now. I can feel my arm. I still have an arm. I don't know what the extent is. And, uh, you know, you, you work through it. You know, you work through it. Uh, we had to bring the stage all the way up. and and. Uh, you know, they went, I was, I was around a hundred. I, I told them not to splash the standby yet because I still had plenty of downtime. Down and, and even though I'm not trying to be a, a hard ass about this or I sound really cool because I needed them to splash him to help me transition. But I just didn't want a guy down at 100 feet yet, if that makes sense. I knew I could, I knew I could. Yeah, but that's not your call though, you know, too. Yeah. You know, that's, that's a sheep's call. But, uh, yeah, and it is, and and it, yeah. it it's the right thing to do. I just you had to stay calm. You had to stay calm. Yeah. It, you know, freaking out in that moment wasn't going to help me at all. A lot, like, a lot of yeah, deaths are from freaking out, dude. Yeah, bro. You know? the, like, who's that one kid took off his hat at like two hundred something on a dive? He should have never been on. He yeah. should have never been on that dive. 
And, and, and I'm not trying to say this as like a hero story. Like I actually just told this story the other day when people go like, how can we not dive in anymore? It's like, well, that was shitty. You're right. Know? You know, like when you're cold and you're in pain and you're tired or you're really hot and you're far away from home and you know, you know, when you're sitting on deck and you're, you're, you're analyzing every single decision that you ever made in your life that got you to that point of that particular point where you're just like, yeah, I'm making money, but this is shitty. And like, what did I do to get myself here? Like, <laughs> like, it's, it's like, is, is the trucking school still taking, you know, like, can I still go be a trucker? Do you ever have those conversations, yeah. Kevin, with yourself? It's, yeah. It's that, I think it's that you said scene you're what from, in a, you're, you're a freaking detective, a sex crimes guy. Yeah. So I'm currently a sex crimes detective, but <clears throat> I've only been doing that for a year. I, I, I was a, a patrol officer for four years before that. But in 2020, and, and I mean, we're, we're getting called in on our day off uh, for, for riots. And I work in, a, in an area that people love us. I, I'm extremely fortunate to, to work where I do. But there was still that element of society that felt that, you know what, I'm going to make sure that my voice is heard and I'm going to go out and march up and down this one mile stretch of roadway. And we didn't know what was going to happen. I mean, there was all this these rumors that we'd found random construction supplies and bottles of gasoline. And when I say bottles of gasoline, I don't mean proper containers. I mean like water gallon jugs of gasoline. Um, and you know, there was all this, this, this rumor mill going around. And I remember looking over at my buddy and, and pulling that line from Top Gun when they're getting their ass chewed out after they do the, I think after they do the flyby. And he's like, you still got the phone number for that truck in school, Mav. I can't, what, what was the name of that place again? <laughs> you think you'll still take, you think you can, Bill? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, know. You, you sit there and you're like, what, like, is this even worth it? I, I remember that same, that same friend of mine, you know, uh, my buddy Brent, you know, the guy who, uh, you know, knows if he ever decides that he doesn't like me, I'm going to have to to kill him and dispose of his body because he knows too much about me. But, um, you know, you sit there and, and I looked at him and I said, are we being super selfish right now? Because initially it was, it was fun, right? Like, <clears throat> Hey, cool. It's my day off. Like this kind of sucks, but Oh, Hey, I'm, I'm making a ton of money right now. I'm all making overtime for these generally and, and I will say this without any sort of irony behind it, these peaceful protesters, because ours, again, our city likes us. Uh, uh, you know, there, there are very few like OG criminals in my, in my city. Um, and uh, hey, cool, we're going to make money. We're, we're just hanging out here. I've got my gas mask strapped to my leg. But you start doing too much of that um, or, or your spouse, you know, is, is keyed in on what's going on around the country. And you're having those discussions when you get home, whether or not you want to have those discussions of like, are you going to keep doing this? How long are you going to be a cop? Yada, yada, yada. And I mean, I'm staring down the barrel of a 25 year career in order to get my pension. So it's like, right. well, dear, I've been a cop for uh, like three ish years at this point or four years at this point. Like uh, I've got 21 years left. <laughs> um, right. It's like. It, it, and it's it, a marathon, baby. It's a marathon, it's exactly. A marathon. Um, but in that moment of that marathon, we were all sprinting. And I looked at my buddy Brent, and I'm like, are we being fucking selfish right now? Like, are we, we've got the career that we always dreamed of. We've got, we're making money. We're, we're pretty well taken care of. We've got the benefits, like yada, yada, yada. But our, our wives are at home right now, or for, you know, your, your spouse is at home right now worried sick about you that you're going to take a Molotov cocktail to the chest or some dude's going to shoot you with it, you know, in the face or something along those lines because of something that happened on the other side of the country. 
Um, and it, it does weigh on you. Uh, and there were multiple times, my dad owned a pest control company up until very recently. Um, I worked for his company for 10 years doing, you know, drove all over the state, got paid to stare out a windshield. You know, I got a job seven hours away. I'm going to drive up there. It'll take me 35 minutes. Then I'll drive back. Um, and I sat there and I go, you know, I, I bitched and moaned and moaned and bitched about that job for so long. And I know it was irritating to my dad because it, it did come around to, to, you know, me bitching to him about it and he just didn't want to hear it. But I, I sat there and I went, I wonder if my dad's still going to run his company. Like maybe he will uh, bequeath that business to me and I'll just go back and do pest control where nobody really tries to, to harm you and, and, you know, uh, not a whole lot of nobody hates the pest guy. Nobody hates the bug guy, right? And and uh, very yeah. few people are out and out damn willing hero. to uh, to sue the bug guy. I mean, if you if you do some some minor mistake in law enforcement, there's always this like dark cloud hanging over you of like, hey, you messed up, you owned up to it, but oh by the way, you might be sued federally, uh, not not just civilly. You might be sued federally over this, and you're like, oh, that doesn't sound like any fun at all. So my, my dad walked up to me the other day and pointed out all the gray hair on my head at 31 years old. And I'm like, yeah, I can't decide if it's my two-year-old or my job that has caused this. So, uh, I mean, you know, it is time we're living in, but I mean, tr yeah. truly, um, and Jack, you, you may echo this. I don't, I don't know, but I, I do sit there and I go, you know what? Like I've got an awesome job. Uh, patrol right. officer was, I had a blast doing that. I learned a lot. Um, and, and in my job now as a detective, um, you know, as a sex crimes detective, we investigate sexually motivated crimes. Uh, and, and in my agency doesn't differentiate between, like, we don't have detectives that handle only kid cases and only adult cases. We, we kind of do it all. Um, but there, and I can't get into it because they haven't been adjudicated yet, but there have been uh, three or four cases like major cases thus far that, that me as the junior detective, it was like, hey, here you go, throw you in throw you into the fire a little bit so that you can come out the other end having learned something and you you get you take these true like predators uh these these really bad human beings and you put them away for a very 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 long time and that right there like every time all the overtime all the sleepless nights the time away from my son that that I you know I value that time with my family but you can sit there on your drive home at the end of the day um after having worked 15, 17 hours, whatever it is. And you're like, you know what? I did some good today. And, and they're monsters mm -hmm. on that sex crime shit on that real tip. They're monsters. They're monsters. They are not like, I'm talking like everyone else listening to this podcast. We are humans. They are not like, I hate to say it like that, like, but they're monsters. And it's just like in, in a, in a, in a way that you just cannot identify with them as a person at all. And then in Louisiana, we obviously have a massive amount of human trafficking as well, uh, which is, I think your average person just has no clue, has no clue to the extent of which it occurs. You know, so yeah. Yeah. And, and likewise definitely. in Arizona, I mean, I think that some, some politicians and uh, you know, some of the, the news folks in Arizona do try to bring it up. It's, I mean, it's, it's obvious when you have a border with Mexico that you are going to find human trafficking. Um, but yeah, even, even, even both ways, both, both ways. ways. Yeah. Both yeah. ways. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, generally speaking, um, drugs and people come North and, uh, guns and money go South. Um, but that's not always the case. you know, it, it's, uh, 
a whole different ball game to get into that human trafficking stuff. And it, it presents a lot of challenges investigatively as well. First of all, there's a language barrier, generally speaking. I don't speak Spanish. My dumbass. I took German in high school because I thought I was going to be Indiana Jones, like crawling through all these World War II ruins and go and teach history at Cambridge or some shit like that. None of which. cool, dude. You can listen to Ramstein songs and know what they're saying. Oh, no, no. no. Just because I took German doesn't mean I understand German. So. Um, I took Russian in high school. (laughs) So you may have a job here shortly, man. I mean, we're going to publish this podcast and and Jack. Might get a little weird. Jack speaks Russian. We're going to publish this show, and the CIA is going to come call in and be like, "Hey, we need you." We've right got listeners now. in Russia, so <laughs> awesome, it's funny. But, but yeah, dude, it's a, uh, it's 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 pretty wild and crazy. You know, the the cop life and the dive life. You know, right now, you know, everybody hates divers. Everybody hates cops too for some right. weird reason. You know, so it's like, yeah, it's, it's it's like, how do you deal with all that stuff? You know. Um, like what was this whole past year like for you over there in Louisiana? You guys getting a lot of hate over there too? Um, it, yes and no, it goes from community to community. Um, I started off in the new Orleans area. So it got a little weird. Um, but still by far, no, nowhere near what other people in other parts of the country that, you know, places where just foolishness was allowed to happen. Um, you know, like everybody hates cops until they have to call them, right? I mean, what? Yeah, it's it's too funny. I'm watching these protests on the screen, and (laughs) they're getting shot up, and they're calling the cops to save them. Everybody says seriously, you're at a police protest, and you're calling them. Yeah, everybody, everybody continues to call, so people don't stop calling, and uh, you know. And half the time, I mean, uh, I'm like, I am a tactical social worker half the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, just in this state, in Louisiana, we really have almost no resources for mental health. Uh, they used to have state hospitals. They got rid of them. Bobby Jindal got rid of them. So uh, a lot of my calls are dealing with the mental health aspect and dealing with folks that are just thrown off. And, and their, their reality is not our own. And I don't know how I'm presenting to them. I don't know if I'm a dragon. I don't know if I'm a demon. I don't know if they know what I am, but they see a demon or, you know, be it from they're just lucky and they're naturally that way, or uh, there's some sort of chemical component that is added to that situation or both. Yeah, like meth and psychosis and all that junk. Huh? That's a good time. Well, yeah, here's the problem. Uh, I was feeling a little sleepy, so I took my meths to get up. But then I took too many meths, and I needed to get back down, so I took my heroines. Right. But oh no, I took too many of my heroines. I need to get back up again, take my meths. Oh, I'm back in the same spot again. <laughs> Got to take my heroines. <laughs> so, and there's that juice versus the squeeze index on uh, on your heroines and your meth use that uh, people typically find themselves in trouble. Uh, they they find themselves in a pickle. And uh, that's when they're waking up and it's like, uh, I can't believe it's not heroin. You know, <laughs> took, took that eight milligram hit of cuz, you know. And when and when you uh, when you Narcan somebody, so uh, Narcan is, is the trade name for naloxone. Um, 
uh, it is pretty amazing. I had a guy who was dead in front of me, like clinically. I, before I was a cop, yeah. I mean, I, I did the pest control thing. I was a registered EMT for four years. Uh, pretty good at recognizing when somebody's like, nope, that guy, DRT, dead right there. DED dead. He, he ain't coming back. And uh, hit this dude with a, a dose of Narcan. Fun fact, the Narcan that we're given uh, is printed right on it. It says, like, do not test, like, do not test spray. Um, I don't know how I've made it into being a detective because I looked right past that sign and I test sprayed one of my Narcan <laughs> applicators and I was like, ah, shit. But I ended up hitting this dude with one dose of Narcan and uh, it was as if I was some sort of like priest uh, raising, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't even know the analogy to use. I, I raised the dead that day. Um, so it's like, pop right up. Oh, that's weird. It's like if, if there's any wrestling fans out there, if you ever remember Undertaker's move, oh, yeah. just be yep. laying oh, yeah, and like, yeah and, and he just pops right know, up out of the coffin. Uh, yeah. That guy was actually the, the guy I brought back I was, a, was a real asshole to me afterwards because you take away yeah. their high, right? They don't know they're dead. Yeah. You're so. not high. <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? So you oh, instantly yeah, lose it. So you're like yeah. super duper high and then you die and then they bring it back. And it's like, you're, you're high freaking even. Yeah. That, wow. you're That's why I said. It's like, I, like they, they, they used to have the two milligram hitters and then they came and then people got more tolerant. They had four milligram hitters. Now they got an eight milligram hitter. And, and I'm just like, just give me a bunch of twos. Cause yeah. I don't need them awake. I just need them breathing. Yeah. Cause you know, it's like, because also, too, you know, if, if maybe you gave us an Arcan or you didn't have an Arcan available and you've been giving them CPR, chest compressions, for however long until they get their Narcan. So you're wore out, dude. And then the guy wants to wake up and he wants to get gully. Nah, B. I just, I just need you breathing. I don't need you awake. So hypothetically, you know? I can use Narcan to sober up before a job if it. No. No. <laughs> no. No. Just use okay. just 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 okay. use the breathing just use the burning O2 like everybody right. else. Uh <laughs> just uh <laughs> I've never done that. But uh right. Narcan only works if you, if you've used opiates. Okay. And if you right. select so other drugs. Narcan. All the commercial divers listening out there, you cannot use Narcan to sober up. No, Narcan is right. Narcan is do an o- opioid that. inhibitor. It is only working on okay. It is only working on stuff derived from poppies, so. like Heron and all that. <laughs> yeah, all the all right, all the good stuff. Uh, Jack, I do have to ask, man, with with all the craziness that's been going on, I know you sat there, uh, you know, on deck and and examined your entire life. Have you ever once thought, like, you know what, this cop thing, it's cool, but damn it, I'm screw it, I'm going back to diving. No, not yet. Not, not yet. Fair enough. Because, Fair enough. Yeah. Because because I'll say that um, every every dollar that I made as a diver was away from home and away from home. Every dollar. You know, mm-hmm. uh, people go like, "Oh, you spend a lot of time away from home now." It's like, oh, "Am I? Am I like? I'm still like around. I can drive my unit to my house." Right. Right. I, I I have had to like, drive my patrol car to my house to pick up my clipboard that I forgot. Like, right. I, like, I have that I opportunity. My mother had a stroke when I was offshore and I had to literally do planes, trains, and automobiles. Like the boat had to go to a platform. I had to get on a helicopter. The helicopter had to go to the shore facility. I had to take that thing. I had to take a a crew van to wherever I had to then get in my car to the airport to fly back home to do all the things. Um, so 
now if I have a problem at the house, I just go to the house. Right. You know, and I know that I'm going to get paid when I'm going to get paid. Right. I know where, when I know when my pay increases are going to happen. I know that my annual increase besides whenever I'm going there's, there's things like that. There's a lot of tangibles that you don't really think about when you're 25, but when you're 41, you know, those, those are things that you kind of value a little bit more. Right. Definitely get tired of the adventure when you get older, you know. With, yeah. uh, with your plethora of dive experience, has, has any, you know, command staff, other agencies, again, I mean, I, not, I know that not all of Louisiana has shoreline or, uh, or rivers, but has anybody come up to you or co-opted you to, like, uh, to head up any sort of dive team or, or have you worked on joining a rescue dive team, rescue and recovery dive team out there? Well, so I, I am right now in the middle of a lateral transfer to another department. I'm going from a, a municipal city department to a sheriff's department. They do have a dive team. It is mostly scuba. Um, and a lot of it is like evidence recovery, looking right. you know, body, stuff like that. That's scuba is not necessarily my thing anymore. Um, I said, I was like, look, I'll, I'll supervise a dive. I'll be a dive supervisor. And they're like, you know, and then from the cop context, you're like, no, there's a supervisor. I was like, no, 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 no. He's the supervisor. I will be the dive supervisor. I'll be there with the clocks, you know, punching clocks. I'll be running guys' charts. I said, do you, any of you guys know what to do in case of any burial trauma? In case of anybody gets the bangs, do you, any of you guys know how to run a chamber? Can any of you guys be an inside tender for a guy? And they're like, no. I, sh- I said, I'll do that. And I said, yeah, I'll, I'll be in the water. But I, I have to say this. Once you get, once you transition to hard hat and you, do, you start to do working dives, hard hat or surface applied, it's pretty hard to want to go back and do scuba stuff. Like I get the necessity of it, but it's, it's hard. It's, it's really, and it's hard to justify it really to myself. Right. Because it's like, why get your hair wet when you could put on a comb? I I mean, you're messing up the beautiful dew. Like why, why, why give up comms? Why give up air? Why give up uh, light? Why give up all that other stuff? And uh, they seem to have a, a good bit of funding right now. So if I can get them transitioned over to, to surface supply, then, Maybe I can do that too. Yeah, then then, then cool. who knows? My uh, there there is absolutely no need. It has come up, but there is no need for my agency to have a dive team other than we have canals crisscrossing through our city, and every so often somebody likes to put their car into that canal. Um, and uh, I remember one time the tow truck driver came out to fish this like Honda Civic out of this canal, and the Civic was underwater, but it was upright and it was on bottom but you could you could like go over there and and stand on the hood of the civic and not even get your socks wet because it's our canals are like four and a half feet deep and uh we actually had to call our county sheriff's dive team out so they could hook up the the cables to this car and that was a four hour wait to the point where i was like go home i'm gonna get a snorkel i'll be right back and we'll just handle this um but uh, I, I was always intrigued by the possibility of having a dive team uh, at my agency, but I have been told too many times no, but I do think it's funny that every time a car field goals itself into the canal, we have to wait four to, four to six hours for, <laughs> yeah. the, for the damn sheriff's department to show up with their two divers and, and go and cable this car out. So, Well, you know where it's going to be. 
it's still there. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I, in in theory, I, I could leave this car here. It's exactly. I don't need to sit here for any reason. That person got themselves out of the car. So I'm just going to, I'm going to go back about my day now. <laughs> it's always fun to find a car underwater. I was doing a lot of bridge inspections in uh, Miami and we'd find some cool stuff. Oh, like, know, yeah. like the, like, it didn't find any bodies, but just like cars. I mean, like, I guess the Cuban mafia, whoever the hell it was, they would dump the stolen cars in the canals and stuff. And there's always a dude, trip going up on them. On a Navy base, like on bottom, uh, all those piers, there's like millions of Coke bottles, and coffee cups, and just like tools. Yeah. Tools and like paint buckets and stuff. Like some dude was like, this is heavy and I'm tired of doing this. <laughs> <laughs> And he was oh, like, man. oh, man, that was a delicious Coke. Chuck <laughs> that right over there. <laughs> Millions. Never like, got it's the, almost uh, like seashells down there, but it's like Coke bottles. That happens once in a while. Yeah. That's, a, that's an ordeal. <laughs> that's well, Jack, I know that... Uh, we never got your close call, Jack. Oh, well, yeah, what your, was your, your, close uh, call? Your, your close call of uh, oh, police work? Oh, man. Uh, we just... It seems like they're weird. It's like it, like they just come and, and go in phases. You know, it's like we had uh, like I know God. It's gonna sound like I don't have them because it's like I kind of I try to brush them off. I'm thinking about these close calls. Uh, you know, uh, you go like me and or, my or like a got, situation where you were like, man, this is kind of a kind of shitty situation or scary or something. You know, it doesn't yeah. necessarily have to be a close calls because you're right. You know, if you're a professional and you're an expert, your, your close calls are not really that close if they're mitigated, you know, well, and I you're mean, aware, you know, and there's a lot stuff. of stuff. I mean, just like, um, you know, standing next to the road and I'm, there's a lot of stuff like you're standing next to the road on a vehicle stop and then yeah. somebody blows by you and it's nighttime and they come within like a foot of you. Yeah. At like 70 miles an hour. And you're like, dude, I've literally in a, bright white police car with like lights and shit on it like what did you not see um and then uh you know me and my buddy uh we heard that there was a fight you know it was like a bunch of like teenagers you know there was a fight uh so usually you know about a couple blocks away you just kind of hit all the lights and sirens and that becomes a self-solving problem <laughs> everybody's gonna jet you know like we're not gonna be out there with like billy clubs and stuff going break it up johnny like we you don't need to do that. You just hit the lights and sirens. You come in at the same time. Everybody scatters. You know, you don't need, you know, if there's somebody's really hurt, then you'll attend to it and you'll figure out who did it later. Well, me and my buddy show up, uh, shift partner, and as the people that were initially going to fight each other, there was people in the crowd that heard about the fight and they were coming to observe the fight. Well, they didn't like each other. And they had a previous grievance. And so they decided to start shooting at each other. Like you do. Uh, as one does. <laughs> and uh, so it's just kind of like they're here shooting at each other. And me and my boy are here. And it's like, wait, 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 wait. So, um, you know, there's, there's been some shootings. I tell you the truth, man, a lot of stuff, a lot of the close calls are, are more so in pursuits and vehicle related. You know, uh, and then, um, I, I mean, there's, there, there's some fights, you know, and stuff like that, but I just haven't had the one where I'm like, 
I, I've been getting completely worn, you know, like this guy's just wearing me out back up still like five minutes away. I just, I just fortunately haven't had that. And to be honest, a lot of my, what I would consider real close calls are probably vehicle related stuff like in pursuits. And if you really like roll it back, you know, there's just like a pursuit can just go sideways sometimes. Uh, if you guys aren't communicating and, and you aren't, uh, watching that stuff as much as you can. You know, like I got, I got bit by a police dog once, you know, <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> the house. <laughs> police dog. and his, and his handler is just like, oh, sorry about that, man. <laughs> Move on with the day. <laughs> that's, yeah. the, that's the last you time you won't Venmo me $20. <laughs> uh, right. I mean, there, there's stuff, there's stuff. I mean, it's just, but then like when I tell the stuff, like when I tell the stuff about diving, that's all my story. And then with the cop stuff, there's certain parts of that where it's like, it's not entirely my story to tell and other people are involved right. in that. And some of that is ongoing. So there's, there's some stuff I can't, you know, I could get like super like involved and like really tell this like very salacious story, but then there's no. like a part, there's like a, a no tabloid show. But I mean, it's just like, you know, running, no, running, yeah, running, gunning, vehicle pursuits, all that stuff. Uh, but just the, for the, for the most part, if you really look at it, a lot of vehicle stuff is where a lot of the stuff, the most danger comes in. Right. Now, now a lot of stuff like that, they teach you in the academy, right? And then uh, just like diving, you've got to do on-the-job training. Is yeah. it similar, the education it's the, there? It's the exact same. Exact same thing. It's the exact same. I mean, so, they're, they're, so you've got to learn how to fight on can. the job, I guess, or learn uh, how to drive yeah. on the job. Well, I noticed. You know, learn so how to like shoot on the job. There's there's a part in the academy, and if you go to the right academy or something like that, you know there's there's going to be a part with the fighting, right? And there's going to be a part where they have you put on your uh, your headgear and your gloves or whatever you're doing, and they're going to have everybody circle around you, and they just basically have you just start swinging at each other because where you really can't use technique because it's it's not hazing, it's not to fuck with you. It's because they realize that the people who might have grown up, their childhood might not have been full content, right? Or whatever their experience was prior to being the police. So if you get your bell rung and you've never felt that sensation before, they want you to have it in the safety and security of a police academy. It's not to fuck with you. It's not. It's, it's to get you inoculated to that stress the best that they possibly can. And it's still not enough. It's still not enough. Yeah, I, I, the way I that I've always... Guns and stuff. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Kevin. Oh, no, no worries, man. The way I've always looked at it is that the police academy is an academic and theoretical instruction of law enforcement. All of your practical education is going to come from your time on the road. But the one cautionary tale that I have, much like when you... Probably the first time that you step in on a commercial diving job, and it is... Like legit, it is like, holy shit, I've never done this before. Um, the ocean doesn't care. Well, the ocean doesn't care if you're an experienced diver or a brand new diver. And the the world that you work in as a police officer doesn't care if you've been a cop for 25 years or if you've been a cop for 25 minutes, right? Like you, the things you no, learn in the, yeah, the, the things you learn in the academy are a good baseline. Uh, well, hopefully a good baseline. I, I, don't think that I can credit every police academy in the United States with giving you a good, like, basic understanding of 
defensive tactics, firearms, emergency medical procedures, things like that. But um, you will absolutely cut your teeth on the road. Um, and that comes down to the area that you work in, who your training officers are. And, and even then, when you're in field training, the way it was presented to me is the, the academy kind of taught you the basics of being a cop. Field training teaches you how to be a cop in this agency, right. uh, in this city, right. county, right. whatever. And then your your first patrol team or your first couple patrol teams, that's where you actually learn how to be a real police officer. That's where that's where you yeah. that's where you learn how to click your sirens on on your way to a fight so that the fight is over by the time you get there and you can clear that out and move on to something a little bit more important or just get get done with your day, right? That's how you learn right all this all this quote unquote de-escalation. Some of the best people I've ever seen at de-escalation haven't taken a single like crisis intervention course. They it's just, yeah. it's just the, I, the way they talk to people. And I love CIT. CIT is my shit. Like that, that's, I love it. Um, but, and just because I happen to learn it from some very cool people. And like I said, like I had, I had, a, I learned more about crazy people from an ex shift partner who had just grown up with a lot of crazy people. She just, she just naturally knew it. And like I dealt, we dealt with this one guy who's a homeless guy, and he got up and he was kind of like, "What?" And then he went, "What time is it?" And then he said, "Can you take me to go get a sandwich? Can you give me a sandwich?" And then we were kind of dealing with like kind of watching with him go through that cycle, and then you know we get in the unit to leave, and she goes, "That guy had three motherfuckers inside of him." The first one wanted to kick our ass. The second one wanted to know what time it was. And the third one wanted a sandwich. <laughs> Who wondered what time it was? What time it was is hungry. One out. And they outvoted, wanted to kick our ass. And I just thought he was the same guy. And then it, like, it really, I really had to analyze the situation. I was like, damn, there was an actual, you know, I was like, you, she was right. There was an actual definite psychic shift each time. That within about a 45 second loop of, of personalities. And then, like you say, like with de-escalation, I mean, there's certain things like, sir, sir, sir. And then there's some, there's certain things with de-escalation. I'm not saying to be heavy-handed, but I mean, there's certain times where you just real talk somebody, and it's like, um, hey man, that's not going to work out for you. I'm just letting you know right now. It's you and me right now, and but the call's already been made, and there's going to be several of me here. So you might kick my ass and I got to kick all of our asses. Right. How do you think it's going to work out? And sometimes, sometimes you have that conversation with that person and it's the middle of the night and you're at some seedy motel far away from all of your, all of your friends. And you're just, Hey man, here's the deal. Uh, You probably think that you can try to hurt me. You may even want to kill me. Um, I'm not going to let that happen. And you can make a bad decision or you can make a good decision right now. You know, where do you want to go to sleep tonight? Do you want to go to sleep in a jail cell? Right. Or do you want to go to sleep in that bed in the hotel room? Yeah. It's like, or it's like, you know, where people, you know, and it's basically, there's a lot of stuff. It's like, like you said, it's just real talk. It's like, hey man, do we need to take it to that point? Or do you want to chill the fuck out? Right. Right. The- do you want to chill the fuck out? And I can make this a complaint call or we're going to, we're going to get into something else. Right. What would you like to do? 
Yeah, and 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 maybe you do have to go to jail tonight, but you can go to the nice yeah. the nice city jail, or you can go to the really terrible county jail. Yeah, <laughs> you can. Yeah, you we can, can be I eight at eight o'clock in the morning and uh, home in time for brunch, or you can see a judge sometime in the next twenty four to forty eight hours. <laughs> right, you know what I mean? It's just and and uh, and sometimes there's that like real talk, like yeah, okay, yeah, we might get into an altercation here. Cool, that that. That's what we'll do, buddy, I guess. Let's go, you know, but, or, you know, let's keep talking, you know, and it, and a lot of people are surprised, like, when they, when they look at de-escalation, it doesn't always look like what people think it looks like. Right. You know? Yeah, and, and, I mean, we could, we could spend another hour talking about, I, I, I liked it, I liked it earlier, I'm going to have to steal it from you, this, this, uh, uh, tactical social worker, um. Because, yeah. because I've encountered people, shit, just yesterday, walking back to our station from lunch, there's a dude, you know, MF this and MF that, and he's punching a concrete wall, and he's clearly uh, having some sort of psychotic episode. Uh, are you going to have, you know, a minivan with two social workers in it go with that? No, no, you're not. This isn't somebody that you're just going to go and sit to and be like, Oh, well, good morning, sir. I would like to offer you assistance right now. That dude doesn't care what you have to say. He's not, yeah. he's not all there. And if you walk up to him as, as Jack, as you said earlier, you might be that demon or the devil or whoever. And he may decide that right. the, the shiv in his pocket is going to go in your neck and you're a, a social worker. You have a valuable job and skill set. It does not translate to the crazy guy that, you know, the patrol officers are going to find on the road type of thing. But, um, yeah, that, that, that whole cool, calm, collected trying to talk to somebody as if they dwell in the same reality that you do. Sometimes that just isn't there. Right. And you got to say some things to get through the crazy. And that, that some of those things might seem extreme to someone. However, if you know how to articulate it, I'm not saying come at everybody like that, but you have to have that knowledge and that freedom to, to know how to do that. And uh, I had a guy tell me a long time ago uh, that was teaching me about mental health and CIT. And he's just like, hey, man, we're just taking people from point A to point B. That's all we're doing. Like, you're, you're causing a problem here. Either I take you away from here, either you walk away or you know, or I take you somewhere. Or... I'm asking you, like he was, you know, uh, one of the negotiators on the team. And he goes, you know, maybe I need to ask you to step from here to step over here in front of a window so somebody can take a shot. All I'm doing is taking you from point A to point B. That, that's all we're doing. And sometimes you really have to make your world very simplified in those terms. Because a lot of it, you know, like you said, there's, there's so much going on right now. If you really dwell and think about all that stuff, I mean, you'd never get out of bed. Right. You know, it's just, you just, you just got to make it small. Some certain things you got to make small and very local. And there's some guys, it's, it's just another day, another way. And I'm just taking people from point A to point B. You know, how, how, however that's going to look and how that's going to manifest itself, you know? Right. And that's all I can do in my 12 hours. Yeah. Yeah. That's all that, uh, all you can do is uh, there's a great quote by Patton: "If a man does the best he can, what more can he give?" Right. So that's really all I'm going to go and do. You know. Yeah. <laughs> but I know that uh, that Armando and I wanted to uh, 
kind of dive more into Ambrosia Terrebonne, uh, your boy, and uh, and also your it's your uh, boy AT, your boy AT. That was a good one, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, let's do it, man. And and kind of all the extracurriculars that that uh, you've got going on, and and kind of where your life has uh, has taken you now. Yeah. So I originally, so I had this imaginary friend named Ambrosia Terrebonne. He's a guy that I came up with uh, originally offshore. And I was with my buddy Jason Jones, and someone whose job was just like up forever. We're delirious, and we just we were always the two type of guys that if we if if we could try to keep a joke and in, in going, we just kept going, and we just kept going back and forth with this Ambrosia Terrebonne. And there's a so there's Morgan City, Louisiana. All the divers out there have heard of Morgan City, Louisiana. Uh, cops just. Uh, Imagine the town and or the neighborhood in your area where it's like pawn store, it's like pawn shop, liquor store, bar, pawn shop, liquor store, bar, crack motel. That's Morgan City. Uh, and, uh, you know, if there's any like uh, Marine Corps folks out there, it's like the Jacksonville, North Carolina of Louisiana, uh, except for diving. Um, it's just, uh, or, or Fayetteville. Uh, so next to that is a town called Amelia which was uh, showcased in the film Easy Rider. It's right before they got murdered. And uh, so there was a gentleman's club by the name of Ambrosia's that used to be a hair and nail salon, and they kept the sign, and it said Ambrosia's, and they scraped off the part that said hair and nails, and they wrote in gentleman's club. And I always like, took the name, and then there's a town next door by the name of Homa, and they're in Terrebonne Parish, because here in Louisiana, we do not have counties. We have parishes. Uh, but for intents and purposes, they're counties. Uh, so I just put Ambrosia Terrible together, and he, he kind of used to talk like this. And then I always kind of had the voice, the AT voice, where I'd be like, hey, what's up, y'all? And I would, you know, being in New Orleans or traveling worldwide, I used to be a lot more bodied up. To, I, used, I used to be uh, a lot more bodied up, uh, especially in the top side area, like in the shoulders and the traps and the chesticles. And, I, I you know, I had, like, long hair and a very crazy beard. and like. I don't know, like I'd be in an elevator and a woman would come in the elevator and just be me and her in there. And I could see all the tension in her body <laughs> because she'd be like, is this dude going to fucking eat me? Uh, and I was like, hey, what's up? How you doing? You, you have a good day. And I would just kind of put her at ease. Or like when you see, like, you know, when you're walking down, a, you know, I'd be walking down the street and there'd be like two women walking this way and they would do the whole thing where they cross the street. You know, if it was like alone and dark, and you know, I, I just kind of looked like a maniac, I guess. And uh, and uh, or I'd just say, "Hey, what's up?" Yeah, you know, I would just do it as a as a as a whatever. Or, but also traveling worldwide or traveling to a lot of places. You know, having to do a lot of hotel diving. Sometimes, like the dock for where a ship is going to be is not in the best neighborhood. Uh, I'm sure working in Miami, you you can identify with that. Uh, and it's uh, like, what do you mean this is a hood? All the houses are pastel. What are you talking about? Like, no, we need to get out of here. Like, we need to get, yeah. Like, we need to get the fuck out of here, dude. Uh, it's like, it's like, but it, it's called Happy Woods. It's just like, no, 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 no worse, bad. We, we got to go. Bro. And so, uh, and uh, so, you know, sometimes you kind of see people and you feel their energy and you feel fought. And so one, I would I would speak to them to let them know that I have observed them and I see them. 
But then, I, you know, also the way I look, I would be like, hey, what's up, y'all? How y'all doing? And that voice was completely not what they expected to come out of my body, especially at the time. And it would just throw off their OODA loop. Uh, so like it gave it, it just, it just threw them off a little bit. So it would give me that kind of, it would kind of give me like some distance on that. And that's one funny day, too. Like we're always trying to yeah. be funny as divers. Like we're cut. It's, it's not to be funny for other people. We just are funny to amuse ourselves. Yeah. We don't like, have cable TV out there. bro. Exactly. You know? <laughs> and it's like, and I'm just sitting there and, and, and you're just doing all these characters and you're making all this stuff up. And if you got a friend and got people that are feeding off it and then one day, you know, I was always in the guns. That's when it gets crazy when they yeah. feed off of it. Yeah. And I, so I was always in the guns as far as like, you know, the firearms training. Firearms training is a martial art. Whether people want to recognize it as that or not. And it's probably the one true American martial art is firearms. Sounds karate. Right. Yeah. Uh, Rex Wando, bro. Yeah, Rex Wando. Uh, uh, and, and so it, it's, it's, a, it's a true thing. It's a real thing. And so I was always into it. And then obviously perf- as a professional, like as a uh, as an armed professional, uh, it's just like you, uh, it's something you kind of, I kind of, it's just kind of like, be it combatives or a little bit of jujitsu wrestling, uh, whatever you need to do, like body control stuff and your firearms training and your personal physical fitness, you know, all that stuff comes into play, uh, being a police officer and, uh, the police department's not going to pay for it. You know, they're not going to provide that for you. It's like diving. like Because you guys are being hat, funded yeah. too, so, right? Well, it's like your hat maintenance is on you. Yeah. You know, your rebuild kit every year is on you. There's a lot of stuff that's like, it's just got to be on you. And and some folks, the department's not paying for it. They're not going to do it. But it's just something I was good at, so I just got into it. And then, so I, I had my personal Instagram, like, where you, it's the real me, I guess. And, like, my kid's on there, so I don't really share that. It's usually pretty private. And, you know, remember when Instagram always had all those uh, uh, tag three friends, right? Yeah, yeah. They would say tag three friends in this in this, in this uh, contest. Well, I, I didn't want to, like, bother anybody. So I just invented, I just made the other Instagram account, Ambrosia Terrebone, which is a name I already had. And I never really used the voice with Ambrosia Terrebone. And I just made a couple of posts, and it, it just kind of came out. And I would always just tag Ambrosia Terrebone in these contests because I had one friend I knew that didn't care and I didn't want to bother anybody else. So I just literally invented the account to tag for contests. And then yeah, free crap. Uh, hilarious. to get free crap. And then and then I uh and then also it's like uh firearms are pretty polarizing and the two A thing can be fairly polarizing. I don't know why it is. I don't feel that it should be. I try to normalize it as much as I possibly can. But you know, there's just a lot of people in my life, uh, be it from like recovery work or even diving or just, there's just people from my life that are just not, uh, they're not into guns. So I just put all the gun stuff on Ambrosia Terror. And then as I was making funny content and more people would see it, you know, you just get people reaching out like, hey man, I love what you're doing. Can I send you a t-shirt? Hey man, I love what you're doing. Hey, can I send you this to try out? And it's like, you know, it's, you know, you, you have a platform. It's the same deal. I mean, you've got like partners, 
you know, you get, you get that visibility and people start contacting you. And if you can hold up your end of the deal on it, you're not an asshole and you can prove that you're also proficient, then you can build a little bit more. So that's how I came into contact. Eventually, I guess, uh, there's a firearms company by the name of Sons of Liberty Gunworks. I got into contact with them, uh, got, began a relationship with them. And, um, you know, just the owner, Mike, uh, you know, like when you see Joe Rogan now, like wearing the Sons of Liberty uh, Gunworks, you know, like my, like him and Mike are boys. So it's like Mike liked my content, some stuff that I was, he was doing. Because even though like, like AT is a silly guy who tries not to take himself seriously. And that's like a big part of it too. Because there's a lot of guys out there that are like knife-handed and they're like super tactical Timmies. And they're like, no, what you need to do is this, bro. And I was like, AT is like the antithesis of that. You know, he's the anti that. And then there's like a lot of stuff that are people that are beginning and are new. And you're trying to, it's like, it's like you're trying to, not only, it's like the highway and everybody's going 75. And not only are you trying to get across the highway, you're also trying to merge, but you don't know how to drive a car yet. So it's like, there's a lot of people that might have questions, but we're dudes most of the time. We have an ego. We're afraid of getting clowned on. We're afraid of people uh, making us feel bad. And it's like, well, whereas Jack might have an ego and might get embarrassed, AT is a silly guy to begin with, and he has no ego. So AT will ask the question, or AT will ask the question for you, or AT will cover that subject for you as a beginner or ask that question so you don't have to, but you can get your question answered. So so if that makes sense at all does that make sense at all or yeah absolutely no sense no i'm just kidding <laughs> no it makes perfect sense and 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 you explain it perfectly what you're doing is genius man it's freaking genius and that's why i want to have you on i love it because it, it it's it's one thing to normalize your martial art but it's another thing to make it inviting and to make it feel like everyone can be involved because you're right yeah. you know i've got friends that are complete gun nuts i mean, I mean it sounded like i said it negatively but, you know, they they spent all their extra money on guns. You know, I didn't mean it yeah. negatively, but they spend all their extra money on guns. They, you know, they're, they, they're constantly cleaning their stuff. It's like they're in my the way that I view it, I'm not. But to me, it right. looks like they're fanatics, you know. So do I want to be involved in that? No, because it's freaking crazy, you know. But when I see you and your videos, like, actually, it looks pretty cool. Maybe I should, right. you know. And, get a little bit more involved in it because I thought there was only those two things, you know, right. it's, either it's, that it's, or nothing. Yeah, and I and I try and I try to and professionally, like you know, I'm I'm a patrol officer. I'm also a SWAT team operator. You know, I'm I, I do I get up to some shit, right? But on that end of it, there are so many people in that tactical space, and I'm in that space somewhat. But as far as like, you know, there was a guy, um, God, it was a Dugan Ashley. If you guys ever looked this up, there's a guy named Dugan Ashley. And there's a lot of people who probably remember him, but he had a channel called Karnik Khan that he stopped. But his content is probably the guy that I most first saw. Like he was talking about one particular pistol and it was funny, but he wasn't unsafe. He was, he was very proficient, but there was just a way that he was presenting it in a very relatable way while also being funny that my daughter's mother, like she's not a gun person. 
And I said, well, I actually have that particular gun. And I let her watch that video. And, and she learned more about it and was more into it from his content than any other gun video where I'd see where the guys are getting very, like they're getting balls deep. Like we're getting into deep waters about all this stuff. And she's already over it. Like a minute into it, she's over it. And so I was like, where can I find where I'm just like, where I can be in that vein where if we want to talk about this, I can kind of get you there, you know, to where maybe you want to go on the next level or, and then also like make fun of myself and make fun of, of other people, you know, uh, or make fun of all those things that we all see where we're like, you know, come on, dude, this is, this is stupid. What are we doing? One day that's tactical all the time. That's tactical yeah. loafers, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> there's a dude, baseball there's game dude. with <laughs> freaking super tactical everything. Why do you need tactical socks? It's like, what the hell, dude? You get people right. that uh, that take it way too far. I worked at a gun store very briefly, and we had a dude come in. And uh, uh, if you've if you've been around the game or uh, what is colloquially known as the industry uh, long enough, you remember that uh, Blackhawk made drop leg panels that are like a hard plastic material and you could mount their specific Blackhawk Serpa holsters, which if you use those, stop. Um, and this dude had two revolvers, one on each leg, and walked in with like his cowboy hat and his jeans and his cowboy boots and his medium V-neck uh, with a revolver on each thigh as if he was some sort of new, like new age... I don't know, Clint Eastwood or something like that. So you get people that uh, that just take it all sorts of uh, uh, weird ways. There was there was one uh, one day on patrol, and I ended up we we hit a trap house. Uh, we didn't know that we were hitting a trap house until it sort of all just spiraled into that. Because every now and then you just start stepping into shit, and when you try and step out of it, you just get deeper into it. Uh, but we pulled this dude out who had a single action single action army revolver. Um, uh, like on a, on his waistband. So we had to uh, strip him of a single army, a single action army revolver. Yeah. So you get some people that, that go a really weird way with it. Like all the stupid, like weird uh, character skins and modern warfare on multiplayer. There are people who actually dress like that. <laughs> so Yeah. Well, like, yeah. Like, they go out in the world like that. And you're like, bro, like, and it's, it, and like, there's some guys that's like, bro, I will take that off you and I will beat your, I will beat you about your person. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Like, and that's not even any tough guy shit. It's just like, it's just so, it's just so unsecure. It's just so ill-advised. Right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's so and you just, you just look like this cartoon. You look like what everybody is scared of. And uh, I don't know. I mean, hey, look, fuck. It's, it's right. Rights are rights. If you can open carry somewhere, open carry somewhere. Uh, but why though, just, dude? Just, just you're to get stopped and harassed. I never understood that. It depends on where you're at. You yeah. know, I mean, just open you know, carry was a thing in California, but no one ever yes. did it because they knew they'd always get stopped. You know, it's well, not anymore. People, they repealed that 10 years ago or so. Some people do it to get stopped because, hey, you know, there's some folks, negative attention is still attention. Yeah. Yeah, you'll get you'll get people who still feel the need to uh, to sling a rifle and go walk through the mall to exercise their Second Amendment right, and legally they may not be doing anything wrong, but if they look at it from a 
I'm going to sound kind of like an asshole. If you look at it from a marketing standpoint of, hey, you are trying to make people not think you're like stupid crazy. This is not the way to go about doing it. You don't sling an AR-15 right. and go wander through Nordstrom's. You're, you're doing that again. Negative attention is still attention. You're doing that to be an asshole. Um, I honestly yeah. like, you know, there was a it doesn't period, help the movement. It doesn't help. Way. Yeah, it doesn't help the movement um, yeah. whatsoever. I mean, there was there was a period. We've all been there, right? There was a period of time in my early 20s where I open carried a gun because I was like, shit, I'm 21 now. I can carry a gun. Look at me. Uh, now, the only place I open carry a gun is at work because I've got a badge and a uniform to go with right. it. Um, when I'm out and about, I, it, like it's it's concealed carry all day long. Yeah, I, I conceal carry because it's also from a security standpoint. You right. know, like when you're open carrying, you're kind of skylining yourself. And there's a bunch of people looking at you that you're completely uh, unaware of. How do you yeah. like the Super Bowl, huh? I, I, it was a it was a it was a game that I'm not bad at either one of them, and I could watch it dispassionately. I'm a Raiders fan, so yeah. I mean, it's like Rams win. Yeah, that's fine. I don't really care. My you know, my buddy you know, Mike, that are fans, cool, good for you. My one of my best friends, Mike, is from Jacksonville, and he grew up in Jacksonville before the Jaguars were ever there. And I was like, "What's your favorite football team?" And he said, "The uh, the Los Angeles Raiders." And I didn't really pay attention to when he said it. I was like, "Yeah, so like the." The Oakland Raiders, he goes, no, no, no. The 10-year period of time where they were the Los Angeles Raiders. I don't care about any other Raiders except the LA Raiders. <laughs> I am living in the past, and I'm not yeah, even. <laughs> yeah, he was like, he was like, Lyle Lizado. <laughs> that's great. But like Howie Long, you know, yeah. Bo, you know, that's his, that's his Raiders. But uh, yeah, I, mean, I, 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 I could watch it just fashionably. It was a cool, I mean, I thought it was a cool halftime show. I thought it was cool. Yeah. I thought it was I thought it was neat the way it was done. I've only seen the so, bands. Yeah. <laughs> <You're> right. Yeah. <laughs> as, far as, a, as far as like gunsmithing and stuff, like I said, you've done a great job of like, you know, make it's I w I wouldn't say normalizing it because it sounds like it's something that's taboo when it's not. You know, right. it's just you know, it's another hobby. Freaking who doesn't love shooting? I, I love shooting whenever I can get out, you know, with friends, you yeah. know, use their guns and stuff like that. You know, it's a freaking blast. It's fun, um, but it's 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 uh it's helped definitely. You know, with uh getting people introduced to firearms. And uh, I saw a lot of your content at Shot Show. How was Shot Show like? Can you talk a little Shot bit about that? Yeah, Shot Show was. I cool. kind of wanted uh, to go. There was a lot yeah, of I mean, diving stuff that was over there too. Like people in the same yeah line yeah. Business, it's like you know? uh like speaking of Broco, like if if you guys are ever aware, like there's a whole tactical burning rig set oh, yeah. up that Broco makes. And I actually, I, I walked up to the Broco dude. Talk to Gary like, Jones over there. Yeah. I was like, I was like, Hey, what's up? dude? Yeah, Gary's I was like, freaking awesome. I was like, Hey man, I said, I've literally burned like a mile of Broco ride. I was like, I was like, I was a, you know, this game the lowdown. I said, yeah, I'm doing, I'm the police now. I said, but, you know, I was a commercial diver. I said, you know, I said, I've used this ton of your product, you know, and they're obviously showcasing the tactical setup. And, but then like the guy, one of the guys I was talking to, he's like, man, I used to be on like commercial and now I've transitioned over. He was like, holy shit, you know? And then just talking to you, know, he, he sent me some stuff, you know, and it was pretty cool. And uh, so it's like, there is some stuff, there is some crossover stuff there. Uh, there's a company called Breach Pen, which is kind of like a mini burning bar. And it's got like a little striker to it. Like uh, it's got like a little deal where you can light it off, but it's about this big. 
and it's basically a burning bar. And it, it's not like a carry thick. cable type of thing where almost, almost, okay. almost like a carry cable. It's not carry, you know, where it's like, uh, and there's some guys like, you know, you're bringing up some old school shit with carry cable. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some guys out there. Though, yeah, never seen it, it. It's awesome. And then they never you can light it with a nine volt battery and you're good to go. You can light it. And then, and then just the way that you, if you don't have to make like a precise cut, um, you don't. So, um, freaking carry yeah. cable though right carry cables the shit that's some old school shit if there's any young bucks out there any dudes that want to make carry cable great again let's do it because it's just <laughs> because it's like you know if a lot of guys are used to the to the torch and you're coming in be that you know you got like the 18 inch or the 36 inch rod you know maybe you get in but if you don't need to make like a precision cut and you just need to cut a lot of stuff up and carry cable i mean you're just like feeding it in like that so uh and then there's like og like real big ass burning bars to get into stuff and if you guys on the diver end and the cop end a lot of cops will probably know more have heard about it more than the divers but there's something called breach pen and it's literally about this big and it's like a mini burning bar and it's, it gives you a bit of a kit to uh to light it off but uh it's it's a burning bar and burning is burning is burning you know we can cut those hinges and you're ready to go yeah you know uh, yeah, SHOT Show is cool, but SHOT Show, well, here's the big misconception, and, and my man brought it up, you know, it's an industry thing. So you have to be, like, either be it media or some company, it's not a gun show. Right. SHOT Show does stand for shooting, hunting, outdoor trade show. That's what SHOT stands for. Um, but mainly, it's just vendors showing off their gear, and then people can... Uh, Take pictures it, for Instagram. Like and and then media and then there's a bunch of stuff like you know if you think you're you're ballsy and want to show up like i want 100 of these the guy's gonna ask you like do you want that monthly or yearly like it's not it's not for the one-time purchase it's like everybody's everybody's there making business but then there's also it's like that's the one time a year like any other convention that you know that everybody's gonna be at right all the players are there yeah yeah I uh, probably went so, to that DEMA show, you know, it's a yeah. diving show for vendors. It's not for the public, you know. We right. went as media. I'm sure you did the same thing, went as media too or something. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, and you, and, you can go as a as a cop too and actually get a, like a prorated yeah. oh, cool. kind of discount thing uh, for, for the cops that are listening. My my goal, uh, my buddy Andrew with Austere Tac Med, he's, uh, he's got a business out here in Arizona. He and I have a goal to get to SHOT Show 2023. Um we'll we'll see if that ends up happening but i've got this i mean as as jack has said everybody you can get to you can access everybody at one time and so for somebody who hosts a podcast i mean with this with this roadcaster that i've got it's extremely mobile and so i can set it up in a freaking hotel room and just schedule people to come in you know throughout the entire week so that's that's kind of the benefit. Everybody gets sick, though. I'm pretty sure that COVID Ground Zero was actually a shot show, and it was not Wuhan, China. Oh, I'm pretty but... sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm pretty sure because I know I know that uh, I I I felt some kind of way coming back off the 2021, and people were already reporting stuff in 2019. Um, this year there was like thousands less people, and I wasn't mad at it. So uh, there's the actual convention center. And then they built a whole nother structure that they had to build a bridge across to, which is kind of its own standalone thing. But they spread, so everything was way more spread out. There's a lot of people that were like, 
you know, we're, we're boycotting the mask mandate, so we're not going to show up. And to be honest, I was walking around without a mask, and yeah. people, people, people didn't really give a fuck. Um, and by the end of it, nobody was walking around with a mask. Uh, there was thousands less people, but then also, like, kind of like, everybody's kind of got, like, this COVID kind of sensibility now. So, I mean, there was just, there was hand sanitizer everywhere. If there was any hand sanitizer, I grabbed hand sanitizer and applied it on myself. You know, if there's any bowls of snacks or anything like that, I stayed away from that because everybody (laughs) and their mother stuck their dirty dick skinners in there and I wasn't going to touch it, you know? So, uh, but like I've been to SHOT Show where, I mean, just everybody is on top of each other and we would almost have to get like here to talk while on the show floor. And there's just that dull roar constantly where where so that that just beats up all your senses you know i mean you can really get sensory overload and um uh this year it wasn't like that at all like we could be standing at a a normal distance away from each other speak conversationally uh there was less people there there was less vendors there but the vendors were spread out in a better way in a better footprint so when you were with people or speaking with a vendor, you could be a lot more present, which I actually liked. And there was... I one, enjoyed it. It was actually my favorite one. Once upon Thanks. a time, as a matter of uh, of humor more than any sort of interesting fact, SHOT Show, I don't know if it still is like this, Jack. You can shed some light on it if you noticed it. But SHOT Show used to take place at the same time as the uh, adult video entertainment uh, awards. Yeah, they didn't have it this year. They didn't yeah, have they it last. But fully digital with with the AVN went fully you digital. Will, uh, there, you know, <laughs> you, you see pictures on. Uh, I mean, it was you know back when when Instagram was new and all these dudes in in freaking five eleven pants and and you know insert you know the, the magpole tuxedo, t-shirt bro. the tactical yeah. tuxedo and yeah. they're standing next to you know insert favorite porn star here and you're like wait. Yeah. You're supposed to be at SHOT Show, not at that show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bro. Like, it was just like, they just kind of crossed. Just like, one right. would be ending as the other one was starting. And, uh, yeah, it made for, it, it made for a, an interesting time at the airport. I, I, <laughs> I definitely want to try to go to next year's. I'll go, I'll try to get out there as media or something. Boom, something. I like yeah, it. Yeah, no, no, no. You, you, you can do a lot with a podcast can, I didn't realize. Yeah, you can definitely go out there as uh, media, and uh, if it starts coming up, yeah, get on their website. It's it's, it's mm-hmm. shot shooting hunting outdoor trade show. Yeah, and and just apply. Tell them what you are. They're going to ask you to justify your deal, but you're yeah, easily you, you're easily able to to identify. Yeah. So, is there anything that uh, that you might want to want to talk about or give a shout out to anybody? Yeah, or, if I could, like, you know, could, could plug I into your brand. Is this, yeah. same, is this the shameless plug? Uh, this is the shameless days? plug, yeah. So, first off, uh, Sons of Liberty Gunworks. Um, it is my, per- it's my personal patrol rifle. It's one of my issued rifles. Um, the people over there are my friends. They're very good people. Uh, one of the things that they advertise as far as the law enforcement, if you get into an OIS, all the cops know what I'm talking about. People who are not cops. So it stands for officer involved shooting, right? Your gun has to go into evidence. And if you bought that gun, you're now out of a gun. You send that evidence receipt and a file number to Sons of Liberty Gunworks, they will replace your rifle. 
They will give you a loan or rifle while your rifle is in evidence during that time. Last year, they had over 30 of them. And I've met every single one of those armorers there. When those guys get that number back, they look up that serial number because they want to know who built that gun. It means that much to them, who built that gun. And you can't get that at Colt. You can't get that at FN. You can't get that anywhere else. Um, what they also don't seem to advertise that much, if you yourself, if you buy a Sons of Liberty Gunworks rifle and you are at your house and some, the worst day of your life happens, and you get into a shooting where you defended your family with your rifle and now your rifle and, and, and you're, you, you did what you needed to do, they will replace your rifle as a civilian for a clean shoot at your house for what you had to do. Um, same thing. Same thing. Uh, and, 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 just, and I'm, I'm, I'm loyal to people, not so much companies. And I'm loyal to the people that are at Sons of Liberty Gunworks. And uh, they are also loyal back to people. And it just, it's, it's, it's a happy coincidence that I get to enjoy that for this time. Uh, but it's it's easy. I just truly believe in them. Um, I've got some T-shirts. Uh, I've got subject matter enthusiasts, kind of back to not taking myself serious about being an SME subject matter expert. There's a lot of subject matter enthusiasts out there that are faking the funk as subject matter experts, and I'm just kind of making fun of that. And there's the hashtag, this thing fucks. Um, it's FCKS, so it's FCKS, friendly. Yeah, so friendly-ish, you know. Uh, and uh, you can you can get that. Uh, it's it's phonetically fucks. It's not the cuss word. And yes. so uh, it's French, really. And um, so you can. So if you if you go to Ambrosia Terrebone, there's a link in my bio. You can go there. I work with uh, also Big Text Ordnance BTO. If you use the code SNAPS. You get ten percent off. You get snaps. Uh, you get ten percent off, and that was also another professional pursuit on my actual uh, as Jack, the police officer. Uh, I'm also involved in another company by the name of Staccato. Uh, they make twenty elevens. Um, I can get into this field, but if you know what they are, they speak for themselves. And uh, go online, look up. I'm, I'm a member of what's called the blue team. So for me, I specialize in in the police aspect of it. And uh, I, we got guys that kind of work more on the SWAT team side. I'm more on the patrol side. But if you're in Louisiana and you are the police and you would like a demonstration, if you'd like to see some of the guns, contact me through there. Jack, blue team uh, for Staccato. And... Uh, and then also, if you have one a larger agency demonstration, uh, hit us up, and we'll get the big box of goodies to show up to see what you want to do. Um, so all those uh, probably forget something. Uh, I kind of feel like it, I honestly I feel like a dick every time I do that self promotion to that level. So uh, yeah, that's all I can think of at this moment. And if Jack comes out to uh, to give you a demonstration, he does take credit card. Uh, cash, partial nudity, uh, and check. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, but yeah, no. Just just hit us up, and you know, I got a, I got a couple. Uh, you know, if you, and same thing with the Sons of Liberty stuff. You know, I mean, if you guys are looking, if you guys are looking either for an agency, I'll get you set up in the to, to the right appropriate people to talk to, or if you just want to see one of my guns and see what it's about, 
There's no, there's no secret science. There's no snake oil. They're just well-built guns. And it's the same with the 2011s. Everybody knows Staccato. They used to be STI. Um, they are what they are. And, and uh, shooting is believing. And there's nothing that you're going to be able to shoot as fast or as accurate. You're just not. That's awesome, man. If you know anything about divers, us divers love our guns, you know. So hey, this is di- a perfect, perfect episode for both. Well, divers are more than, you know, more more often than not, divers are going to be handy dudes, man. And if you weren't a handy dude when you started being a diver, by the end of being a diver, you're going to be a handy dude, man. Because you're out there on the back of the boat and the jet pump is picked up. And guess what? We got to work. We got to make the jet pump work. We got to make the compressor work. We got to make the generator work. And you got to be, you got to be able to be a hand, man. And those guys, and, and you customize your gear, you personalize your gear, you do the same thing with your guns. And, and, and dive dudes are gun dudes who end up being watch dudes, who end up being car dudes. It's like they all we love come to together. Tinker. Yeah, love we, to we, tinker. Tink, we tinker fuck around a lot. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. how many, how many guys do you know that built their own computer? There's that guy. I like. I knew a guy. He was. I swear to God, I, I thought he was a. I thought there was a couple of guys. I thought they were mouth breathing knuckle draggers, and then I go into their house, and they have this gamer PC set up that's like liquid cooled and shit. Oh yeah. And I'm like, oh yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, a lot of the new millennial divers, they're all gamers, you know. Oh, they're crazy bull crap. But I I know what you're saying, man. Like I said, we're we're all into weird weird crap, you know. For the most part, guns is not weird. You know, but I'm just saying it's like we all have our thing and a lot of divers things are, are guns, you know, and it's uh, it's great to have you on and uh, talk about it, you know. Um, yeah. So, Kevin, have you got any uh, that have you got anything else that you might want to ask Jack there? No, I uh, Jack, I do I've appreciate had a couple your... of shots of whiskey already, so I'm slurring. Sorry. <laughs> uh, Jack, I do appreciate you uh, uh, talking to both of us. Um, usually if you're on my show in person. Uh, I do have bottles of bourbon for you to choose from as far as uh, uh, what we drink. So uh, if either of you uh, ever find yourselves out in Arizona, hit, hit me up and uh, uh, I owe you a drink. So, and uh, likewise, if we can all uh, come together and sing Kumbaya in Las Vegas next year for SHOT Show, even better. So again, that would be the shit. I, th- I think we, we'd have we, to let's take it. How, how, let, 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 like, let's not make that an if. Let's, let, let's, let's make that a shout. And let's put okay. that intention out right now. All right, deal. Yeah, yeah. For sure, I'll do it. We Hell we yeah. shall we shall be uh, in Las Vegas. We can sing. Uh, it's easier for us. Yeah, it, it, legit. It's a five hour drive for me, so that's not bad at all. Yeah, right. Um, for me, I I, uh, uh, I don't want to completely screw uh, screw my wife over, but at least get out there for two days uh, to to shake some hands and uh, and and have some drinks. So, dude, thanks a lot for coming on. This, like I said, it was a blast. You know, we you know it's a long episode, but. I had fun the whole way through. Oh heck so, yeah, man! Hey man, lot, I'm sorry. Sorry if I went long. I really appreciate it. No, it's not, no, no, you, not at it's all. Me, it's not you. It's me. I, I kept you long. You know. No, you man, were I'm, great. I'm, I, I feel bad. No, man, I'm down, man. I like. All I, right, I, I'm sorry. I know the scheduling was a problem getting this going. Uh, and like I'm outside no. next to a coffee shop. No, maybe. no, no problems whatsoever, dude. Like I said, I just feel bad. Like I feel like I'm keeping you from your day. You know, you no, don't get man, so many days off, right? Oh, we're good, man. I, I can right. I can be drunk in a ditch somewhere, and I'm I'm fortunate enough to be here. Nice. I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy to be here, man. I really appreciate the opportunity. Likewise. Oh, yeah, dude. Thanks a lot. Time well Freak, spent. Freaking amazing episode, you guys. Check out uh check out Ambrosia Terrabone on Instagram. 
Uh, check out the Bottom Dwellers Dive Shack on Instagram, Bottom Dwellers DS. Kevin, what's your, what's your plugs there? That you we got can... uh, yeah, Blue Line Millennial Podcast on Instagram. I do have a website, uh, merchandise coming soon. That is on my on my to do list here for this year. So uh, uh, merchandising and uh, getting a YouTube channel up and going. Those are all in the works. Uh, but for right now, if, nice. if if you've got anybody that you want to hear on my show. Uh, Easy peasy if they're Arizona locals. Um, if they live out and about, it's it's a similar uh, platform yeah, to this, just done uh, over over Zoom or uh, or Google Meet. But uh, yeah, if you've got anybody that uh, you want to see on the show, let me know, and we will get them uh, get them on board. Forgot to plug my right. website, thebottomdwellers.com is where you can find uh, our stuff for you know podcast, any podcast, podcast, any podcast platform like Spotify or you know itunes and all that stuff all right awesome man well thanks a lot uh it's been a great cross pod and uh hopefully we can see you on another one thanks man i'm really looking forward to it i appreciate that yeah thanks so much jack right on bro